Hello, this is Jerome Pena, and uh, you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Amazing. I feel like I spiked it, though. You did? You playing volleyball? You want to try again? No, I mean, I'm fine with it. I no, just, it was I good. I feel like it. All right, then. Yeah. You were definitely we're in the, the zone. In the dab zone. I was. I figure if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to break up for the rest of the episode, I might as well get the woo-woo done. Yep, could have got good call. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying. So, yeah. Yeah. I have about four in me already. Wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. What's well, Memorial That's Day, not a though. No, no, I never take four. It hurts too much. At, you know, well, that's the same time. At least if I'm getting paid, then yeah, I'll take 12. Okay. Jesus. The family show. And not anymore. Not, at, not after last week. <laughs> with all the therapy. Going flowers, on. our audience. A little bit, but that's okay. We got to be us. Indeed, we do. How was everybody's Memorial Days? I hope it, I hope they were pleasant. All right. Well, you got four in you already. It must have been better than all right. No, it was fun. Hey, if somebody's giving me well, beer yeah. for free, I'm drinking it. Nice. I had, had a beer flight last evening. Yeah? Nice. Yeah, we went to a place that served like 100 beers, one of those joints. Oh, I love that stuff. Because then you can have something you've never had before. I had five beers that I had never tried before. You know what we have to do um, at Heroes? And it's something we did with wine, but we, I don't think we've ever done it together with beers Bruh. you get the Bruh. yeah if you, know, you participated in the other slack oh. you would know that there's already <laughs> plans in place to go to one of the, the the breweries in charlotte there are now 18 craft breweries in charlotte proper i'm there i'm gonna have fun i'm you i'm your tag along wherever you guys want to go whatever you want to do i'm gonna do it i'm just saying nice. yeah we got the karaoke lined up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mayhap yes <laughs> hey everybody, Carol K. Carol, um, this Carol King. a Carol King. She was she came uh, to to our area recently. Did you all see who's in the new? Who, not new, but who is the new? Who's star? playing? Yes. yes. What? Yes. Our BFF Vince. Who? Someone who has a photo with us. It, who is the one? She's the one. Who is playing Supergirl. the lead in the Carol King musical that's been on Broadway for some time. No kidding. So there's a new lead. Yes. Melissa can sing as well. What dude? Oh, Are dude, you she kidding was in Glee. me? My ninja. She was in Glee. I, I don't watch no Glee. Well, you should have because it was a wonderful show. Oh come on! Is it? No. I loved every minute of Glee, and I'm, I'm, I ain't too proud to tell you that. I know okay. it was good. I've never seen it, but I know it was oh. good. In fact, the Glee Christmas episode those tradition those glee traditional songs are in heavy rotation in the wood christmas catalog. Oh, oh, oh. i'm gonna tamp this out right now hey everybody <laughs> 11 o'clock comics episode 543 and i am v-bon vince b nice yeah. you are oh so good to hear your voice i am david a price sexy man Indeed you are, and I, of course, am the man who helped make all of your childhoods wonderful. I am Bob Budiansky. Nice. I was, I'm shocked you went that direction. I thought you'd go with the other, the tall man. Nah. But no, you're not Bob Budiansky. You are Jason Wood, and we hey, have You know a, what's great? Huh. Well, I, I know now 
that that's what Jason will always and forever refer to Bob Badiaski for. But <laughs> for me, he's always the guy who did the last issue of Ghost Rider. Yeah, huh. but it wasn't actually the last issue. Didn't they do a, a well, nine, the end 98? Of the Johnny Blaze. No, no, no. They did that for the Johnny Ketch run. Danny Ketch run. Yes, you're right. They did. Okay. Howard, Howard Mackey wrote it. Yeah. Right. Salteris came back for it. He did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Cool. Shaky ground, but he came back. But no, you're Jason Wood. And, and we have a guest with us this week. A very, very, very special guest because he gets three of them. Three varies. And uh, Jason, who is it? It is a special guest in, in more ways than one. It is... It is um, it's fair to say that uh, he's he's EOC family, even though this is his first appearance on the show. Yep. He long ago became family. He is the pride of Virginia Beach, Virginia, a former student at the Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. <laughs> one of the one of the most astounding sketch artists you've ever seen, and I, I and that is not hyperbole. Uh, and, and hopefully a man that we'll see taking the comics world by storm at some later point in his career. Probably all of our audience know him best as one of the most active and positive members of our EUC community. And his his the thing that gives us the most love in our hearts is that he not only designed one of our EOC annual logos, he he designed the last two, and as a result, was so damn good and ran away with the with the competition that we had to induct him into the Hall of Fame and retire him from competition. He is making his first appearance, the long-awaited first appearance, our good friend, who we're about to meet for the first time in person, by the way, in a few weeks as well, Mr. Jonathan Gordon. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. And a busy man these days. Yes, a very busy, busy dad. And you forgot to mention Lucky Man, too. Very lucky. Yes. He he is he is he's another way he is EOC family is that he has managed to marry well above himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Props. Props. <laughs> what's love? Yeah, I've been when I say long time listener, like I've been listening since episode four, so it's a little interesting hearing you guys in my ears and oh, so so Jason has actually been on the show longer than someone's listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, great, and Jonathan's been on time more often too. So. Oh. Yes, and do you know who else has been with us since episode four? Probably before episode four. Time immemorial. Yes, discount comic book service, dcbservice.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a fraction of the retail cost. Now, I don't know. Yeah, these are still valid. The specials are still good, right? It's not the end of the month yet. So I'm going to read them to you, and this is what you can get if you hop on over to dcbservice.com, if you're interested in the Transformers, and you should be because Jason just lit the fuse at the beginning <laughs> of the episode with Bob Budiansky, you can get in on this Transformers Unicron joint. Issue number one will cost you $2.49. That's 50% off the cover price. Yes, it's four ninety nine an issue. Um, it's the end of the, the uh, current Transformers... Um, run at idw they're going to be rebooting it so they're taking it out with the big bang the the uh the baddest of the bad unicron and get just read it um from dc crossover palooza batman meets the teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 freddie williams the second james tenyon the fourth 
$24.99 cover price for a six-issue hardcover. Not too shabby. But you can get it for $12.49 because you're super smart and you know where to go, and the only place to go is dcbservice.com. And uh, last, but uh, certainly not least, uh, you've been hearing a lot of this book out of our mouths. It is by Donny Cates and Dylan Burnett. It's Marvel's Cosmic Ghost Rider, number one of five. Cover price three ninety nine. Anybody that didn't read Thanos, Donny Cates, Thanos, you better get on it because it was awesome. Uh, you can get this for $1.99. DCB Service does not mind late orders or order editions. And ding dong, my books are here. It's fun time. DCBService.com. Well done, sir. Thank you. So I have to ask, Vince, you're yes. four in. Yeah. Which means for once you're not going to let us down. No. What, sir, <laughs> are you drinking? Well, I hope this isn't a recipe for disaster because I have um, left the beer where I drank it and now I'm drinking wine. So Ooh. Beer before wine, always fine. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm good because I'm drinking the Livingston Cabernet Sauvignon and I have a big old Emmett Otter jug of it. So I, I, I won't run out. <laughs> of course you do. Yeah. Now when you when you pour it, do you do you loop your finger your forefinger through and then put the jug over the the back of your hand and pour it that way? Yeah, and I put, put my pinky out because it's really fancy. Well when but, you drink it, yeah, I know that. No, when I pour it too. I pour it fancy and drink it fancy. I'm just fancy. Oh, all right. Respect. You got my I like the forearm strength. I respect. Right. Oh, I got massive what, forearm strength. What uh is our fantastic guest drinking this evening? I am not a fan of the. My kids are not a fan of. I haven't tried really a lot of wine, but so I'll be drinking tonight Smirnoff Red, White, and Berry with Monster Energy. Nice! Wow, that is a powerhouse drink right there. I like the Smirnoff. Yeah, yeah. yeah so the, the Monster the, Energy, you're going to be up late. The Smirnoff Red, White, and Berry apparently tastes like um, bomb pops. Ooh, I took a little nice. bit of a sip and okay. it does. It does taste Damn. a lot like bomb pops, so I need to get up on this in the Great. There's nothing and better. It's the, uh, the white Monster Energy drink, so it's mm. basically Sprite. Woo. I was going to say, there's nothing better than a woman eating a bomb pop. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the summer, mm. yeah, son. That's true. I mean, you just get raw in the summertime, man. <laughs> get nasty. Some rock and jelly bean posters. Oh my man, <laughs> I love rock and jelly bean. He is filthy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, should we just let these two talk to and step aside? Yeah, please. So you and I'll just, you know, yeah. we'll hang out. We'll uh Have sip you with seen uh, Jellybean uh, Sue Storm? That Sue Storm he redid he did a Sue Storm statue that he yes. can, Oh, the booty on Sue? My goodness. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a fan of giant booty, but he did a phenomenal and she because it works because the face is so beautiful. Like he yes. captured the beauty of Sue Storm and then he just went a little excessive on the rest of the body which is fine but the face was god gorgeous it was a little too oh, i see what you're me. talking about wow yeah yeah why am i not aware of jelly bean until now I don't oh yeah know. And it wasn't even a full series i think he was he just did that one right right Whew. isn't he great wow very there's he, a um there's a uh, mystique as well oh nice oh. well mm-hmm. you know he he nailed it on the first one <laughs> yeah. What if he did a domino? Uh, would you die if he did a domino? Would you I just would, die? I would, I would absolutely die. You'd have to have it. Whoa! I'm pull- oh, this this is interesting. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, are you wow. Google image searching the rock yes. and jelly bean at this point? Yes, yes. I am. <laughs> wow. Respect. How am I just hearing about this? He's one of my favorite artists. How is this just getting discussed? I don't understand. You're adorable. I, I, mentioned him, I mentioned him in the past. Yeah. Oh. But because really? Dap did, yeah, because Dap didn't mention it, he didn't pay attention. But you know, I, I understand. It's <laughs> probably a little true. But okay, so See? now what are you drinking, Jason? <laughs> oh my god, I'm I'm getting a little I'm a little distracted now, boys. Um <laughs> whew, uh, mercy. I am drinking a new one. Brand spanking new for me, Dap. Oh from uh from the uh Adelaide Hills of southern Australia. The 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 vineyard is the Riposte R I P O S T E vineyard. Uh, it is uh, the varietal is Pinot Noir, and the name of said wine is the Dagger. It is uh, it is a ninety point wine. It is a, ni- a two thousand sixteen Pinot Noir, and it is effing delicious. Nice. Cool. Everybody's so happy tonight. This is good. It's been a. Uh, well, for two reasons. One, we haven't, uh, it's been a long time coming having Jonathan on. And it's celebratory in another way, in that it's kind of like the spiritual kickoff of Heroes Con because we're two weeks away now. Yep. Yeah. So, Dap, what you drinking? I, uh, I had some bourbon with, uh, fired up the grill tonight. So I had some bourbon with, with dinner. Um, but I didn't want to keep going with the bourbon, so I decided to uh, have some Jacob's Creek double barrel Cabernet Sauvignon because it is finished in aged whiskey oak barrels. Nice. To kind of wean myself off the bourbon for the evening and, and, and just finishing it with some nice red. Excellent. I feel like I need to class myself got- up and get into the wine. I, Vince can do it. It really is, you know. I was going to say, though, I mean, Vince proves you don't have to class up the joint to be a wine drinker. That's true. <laughs> That's good. I mean, he's so, drinking out of a, out of a jug. I mean, so. <laughs> it's a glass jug, though. Oh. Well, right, right. And at least it's not a Crown Royal <laughs> bottle. It's not, it's not like he's got the crazy straw going into it. Crown Royal <laughs> bottle with a piece of masking tape right on the, where they where they didn't write the name of it. <laughs> hey, I, you know, my pinky's out, so it is classy. We going to get into the comics? Of course. We should get into the comics. We, we're here. Sh- we should. There's one book that I believe we all um, ganged up on in anticipation for this episode. There's two, actually. Okay. Uh, I may be deficient later on, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, that's all right. And the, the first is one that we were very enthusiastic about when initially when the first couple issues came out. And then, like everything, we, we lapsed. And we haven't revisited. I don't think we, in in mass we haven't revisited it. I, can, I corrected it myself. Um, but well, so, we, I, I, what? No. So let's do this. Let's talk about uh, Rick Remender and Jerome Opeña's Seven to Eternity with uh, and Matt Hollingsworth on the color art and James Heron on two issues. Thank- See, that was pretty much the last time I believe we went Correct. in on it. Um, there was the the ninth issue, um, which wow. I remember reading when it came out, but um, I don't think it was really discussed, which 
is a little bit of a bummer because upon rereading it this weekend, um, I forgot that it was pretty much because it's been so long. I forgot that it was the end of the second arc. Uh, and on the letters page, Rick says right there, basically see you all in six months. So, um, it has been a while since we've talked about it because it's also been a while since we had any, uh, but still it, um, it was nice to revisit, but I'm want to hear, uh, since I know Jason and I talked about the Heron issue issues, uh, I'd like to hear from people who haven't talked about it recently. Agreed. Hmm. Jonathan, if I'm not mistaken, you just read the entirety of it this weekend. Yes. Yes. I've been on a, uh, kick of reading image books since, uh, I've, I've been a lapsed, I was a lapsed comic book reader for a little while and decided around Christmas to just start picking up trades of image comics I haven't read. In, and Seven to Eternity with the Opeña art and the Remender writing, I had to get on top of this. And yeah, I went, read through the first two trades all in one go just in the last 24 hours. Oh, nice. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I love it. I love the philosophy of it like it's it's definitely a lot more uh, there's action in it but it's a lot more philosophical feels a little bit like um, when i used to read the x-men um in the in that you know there's more than there's more of a moral element to it with uh that's true yeah but from i i don't know if i want to go down this road but i'm i i think visually it's breathtaking Story wise, it's very complex, and there are concepts in here that are amazing. With the the uh, the blood of the ancestors, when channeled through Adam, do specific things, and it's uh, like the nails and and uh, his daughter Katie. With the, the the concept of the nails, I find is very intriguing, and th- there's many concepts like that in the book. But at times, I gotta admit. The dialogue is extremely preachy. Like yes. you, you could just like Adam would say, "Hey, let's not go into the swamp. Let's go over to that lemonade stand and get a lemonade." And someone would inevitably say, "Well, one takes risks when one veers from their life path." And then they go down this moralistic road, and it's like dialogue balloon after dialogue balloon of just like life lessons and and. I don't want to say preaching, but it's it's it sounds like a, a Leo Biscaglia um, talk at some times. Like it's just it's it's very um, philosophical, like you said. But no one seems to really just kick back, with the exception of Goblin. Goblin is the one constant in the book where he's the the everyman, just a normal guy who's just mm-hmm. there to do a job, and everyone else is. They, they they just can't speak in conversational language. They have to make everything every word said into a like a life lesson or a, a treatise on on humanity or or do you, do you understand what I, I mean? It's just it just seems oh, like yeah. he's he gets very very Remender gets very wordy and 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 the wording the way he does put those words together is amazing and it's very easy to read and it's 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 it it seems to just seep into the brain and it's it seems right but then i there are some times when i just want to see um 
the souls of of strangled goblins fighting in the swamp. You know, I don't need that that moralizing on every single page. And I picked up a little bit more on that reading all nine in one go because you get a lot of it repeated in in each issue. Just letting you know that this guy is is dealing with: Do I bend the knee and get what I want, or? Do I take the path my dad took and, you know, right. just tow the road? And, and it, so all in one go, it's kind of like watching a television series all in one go. You, you get a lot of them repeating that narrative. But I picked up on a lot of that, too. And a lot of times I would have loved to have seen more of the nail and the visuals and right. a lot more of that explored. Now, do you think that Remender chose... Um, do you think the book is a reaction to current events, the, it, specifically the State of the Union? Because yes, yeah, there, there's a very strong especially the ninth issue, right? There's a very strong yes. undercurrent of one man being able to influence the multitudes very strongly. In the just by, I mean, just by speaking, and, and by speaking, his is the whisper, and I, and I think the the concept of the whisper is very important because that's what's going on now. There's you have one man and the people behind him influencing the media, and the and therefore influencing the populace to do certain things. I mean, you have people coming out now that were this eight years ago, it, it would be unheard of. Well, and like he says, even which. You know, you hear this today. Well, if he cured cancer, people would say, even if people witnessed me save a dying man, they'd find a way to see something rotten. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely true because it doesn't matter any time. And Jason can attest to this because he's seen it in his feed. Any time Trump says or does anything that is in any way, shape or form positive for our future. People will still say, well, he, if he did it two weeks ago, or they would just still find a way to make sure that, you know, they still don't like him. Mm-hmm. And I was right there on, on, on the page that, that hit me more in the ninth issue, just because it was the freshest one I've read, but it was, you're right. You, you guys are both right where it's, I, I agree with you, Vince. It's, it's absolutely, I think it's, it's a way for, for Rick to talk about current events. Right. Uh, it may just be a, a, a George Romero, Night of the Living Dead type deal where he may not have in, intended it to be as multi-layer as it is, but it just works well. I, I tend to not think that with it being Remender. I think Remender knows exactly what road he's driving down. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What well, well, I, I was going to say, I, I can't say that I've seen or heard Remender acknowledge it openly but as we know he he is very uh opinionated shall we say like many of us sure and he doesn't hide those opinions so given that i think it's a fair assumption to to say that it's a part of it um i I will give it credit that i i don't think you have to pick up that um idea that the mud king is an analog for our current president, um, I think you can enjoy the book as a, a more pure fantasy Absolutely. story because, you know, the idea yes. of a ne'er-do-well that is cunning and uses uh, deceit and, and uh, that sort of thing uh, is certainly uh, uh, 
has existed lo- much longer and more richly in fiction than it had in real life until recently. <laughs> um, right. So, so, but yes, I do think it's it's not a it's not a coincidence. Yeah. I would be surprised if it was a coincidence. But I don't think it's exactly targeting Trump. I think it's just no. It's it's more no. um, an analog about the 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 dangers of one disturbingly charismatic person mm-hmm. and his influence and the idea of of giving in to to prom- empty promises yeah and a belief that they'll change and then being stuck when you realize that those promises aren't going to happen and you're you're now stuck with the reality of that you've given all of your power to that person but really got nothing back in exchange for it yep but there's nothing you can do about it so i got a question for everyone and mm-hmm. it's only going to be possible after we set the book up for those who haven't already uh, sampled Seven to Eternity. The the deal is um, the Mud King, Garlis Solm. Um, he's a half breed, a uh, child of a of a human and a goblin. And uh, in this world, there are those that can communicate with the spirits, um, and they're they're called Mosak. They they can somehow tune in or derive benefit from or interact with whatever the the spirits of this place and and they're special they're they're the metahumans of of this world and some can influence people if he if he puts the whisper in you he'll he'll offer you something your 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 greatest desire and he has someone with him that can detect desire so he's he's positioning himself on the chessboard with all the the tools he needs to to checkmate you without even trying um and and he can offer you your greatest desire yet there was one family um the acidus family zebediah was the patriarch who would not bend knee to the mud king um uh vehemently so they would do anything in in their their uh, power to not succumb to his his uh, offers, and they got ostracized for it. They were cast out, um, pushed to the the forest, and li- lived a very solitary life. But one day, the the bill was due, and the, the the mud king cannot have a family over which he does not hold some kind of influence or sway. So he uh, sends his son, Piper. Uh, a being who can, he's a Mosak too, he can play a flute and, and conjure these mud dogs and, and other things. And um, they he kills Zebediah. And Zebediah still, to the, his very last breath, did not relent and told his son Adam, never, ever hear the Mud King's offer. You just don't do it. Because um, Zeb, he was a Mosak too, and his power, one of his powers was he could tell through the spirits who had the whisper uh, within them, who had listened to the Mud King. Um, and he tells Adam, just don't do it, my boy. And unfortunately, Adam is um, is very sick. He's dying. And he uh, once the Mud King, or, um, Piper raises the, the family, the homestead, they're, they're on their own. Adam's wife, his children, his, his sister... Uh, Everyone is is without, um, they have, don't have any future, basically. So he says, all right, fuck this. 
I'm going to go have a, uh, a sit-down with the, with the Mud King in hopes of tricking him. See, if Adam's dying and the Mud King offers him something, the amount of time that Adam would be held under the Mud King's sway would be very short because he would expire. But uh, being a master strategist, the Mud King turns the tables on him and says, you know what, buddy, I can cure you. Now, and this sets off the whole um, nine issues. The The Knights of Mosak enter the picture and they kidnap um, the Mud King. They have an, an owl that can cancel out his power. So he has no connection to those over which he once had sway, which is a neat power to have, right? It's like, um, uh, what's the X-Men, the character that, that dampens the powers? Come on, come on. Leech. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Leech, but only it's an owl. Looks cuter. Mm-hmm. And um, so, uh, where was I? Here's my question to you guys. Are your principles that steadfast that you would not hear the Mud King's offers? Like, if you were in a situation where you were dying and someone can save you and therefore save your family... Are your principles that valuable to you that you would not break them? It's a complex question because are you saying, do we know for sure that by not hearing his whisper, we we save the world? You wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that then going I, then, in. Then I'd hear him out. Yep. Would you? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to hear him out because, I mean, it, you really don't know. I mean, it, the way that it is, the, where you are in the book, the, for most of it is, you don't know what him hearing him out is going to do. So, yeah, you have to hear him out. Yeah. My principles are not that valuable to me where I would <laughs> forsake the the life of the lives of my family just on some stupid concept of you know, doing the right thing or, or being steadfast or resolute in one's beliefs. That, what is, what is that worth? And, and, and I got to see Zeb as some kind of villain in this book because he sacrificed the life of his son, Peter, just because he would not hear the Mud King out. Like, well, they believe they're doing it for a bigger cause though. So that's but, why I say it's complex. I mean, if we were if we were boiling it down to the to the old philosophical argument of would you die or sacrifice your child to save a billion people, I would. I mean, if I knew for sure it was going to do that, I would. Um, right. But here, it's so much more nebulous. He thinks it'll matter, but he doesn't know for sure. He knows he's lived a life of exile. He knows he's dying. He feels like he's let his family down in every way possible. So this would be a way to potentially do good by his family. Um, it'd be akin to like someone in our world feeling like they did their family wrong, but they know by dying they're leaving with a big life insurance policy that takes care of them, right? It's, right. So I think if I were him, as he's been presented, I would certainly have listened. Hmm. And I think it's kind of funny um sardonically so that the mud king is doing it doing what he does 
just because he lost Zeb as a friend. That's a it's a very superficial reason for basically causing all the strife and the war and the and the and the you know the death on the on the this world just because Zeb he feels like Zeb turned on him. And it's it's explicitly stated in in the in one of the issues that that's why he does what he does because he was he he was heartbroken that that Zeb you know stabbed him in the back and and didn't acquiesce. He even calls himself petty. Yeah. He says that you're right. I'm I'm very petty. And he's a lot like Thanos in that respect, right? Um listen bros before hoes. Zeb forgot that. Yeah. I I guess, but I mean, and there, there's a lot of layers to this thing. One of them is um, the 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 most surprising one to me is um, the white lady. Oh. Like she's crucial to the to the entire narrative. I mean, she sets in motion the the things that drive the entire book. She's the one that wouldn't open the temple. Uh, for young Peter in order for them to be saved. She's the one that made Peter sick in the first place because she has such a mad on for the uh, Asidus family uh, that then she tries to, she projects this this holier-than-thou persona when in fact she's just as despicable as the Mud King. And I saw her as the character who is seeing the future. She's seeing, like she says, like just the worst parts of it. And because of that, she decided to taint the Osidus name to set about stopping the Osidus family from causing this world that she saw. But really, when you think about it, like he wouldn't even be contemplating taking the king's offer if it wasn't for the fact that he was sick. Mm-hmm. So in a way she set that about. I mean, she, she caused the problems to begin with. Yep. And, and True. conceptually she's literally the black of the book, the blackness, the darkness, the, because she channels the black. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't get more explicit yeah. than that. You know, <laughs> and you, she's the pessimist. She's the, the downer. She's always the, the she's what is that Saturday a Debbie Downer she's always seeing the <laughs> the, the darkness and everything and uh, I think the way uh, to get more visual uh, I think the way Opeña illustrated that all that black crap just spewing from her man he he continues to get better and better and better and he's so young what what is he going to be doing when he's like fifty and sixty mm-hmm. it boggles the mind to even think about it right. If you're this good right now, like what is he? He's in his early 30s? Does anyone yeah, know? Pena Arts what drew, is what drew me in because I've been a fan of his since um, just going all the way back. Probably didn't read like until probably like Uncanny X-Force. But just everything, single thing he draws is beautiful. Yeah. I don't think he's drawn a bad panel. I think Opeña is a Mossack because he can make... <laughs> He he can make reality just dissipate. When you're in seven to eternity, you're in this world. Everything like, is so I, beautifully visualized. It's like the, the 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 costumes are phenomenal. Just the, when someone is suffering, you feel it because he illustrates it so damn well. What were you gonna say, Dap? That it's 
Well, Pena is drawing every single line, and that's and and it looks amazing. And he's 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 bringing this to us. But Hollingsworth seems to go way above and beyond because the colors are absolutely crucial to this book. And mm-hmm. and whether it's the nails used, whether it's the what when they're going to the spring and you got the colorful mushrooms, it, it's just everything about they're going through the swamp, everything that the lighting the 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 flashes of light the the colors and everything just help bring this book to life help it breathe and and i don't this would not i i can't imagine what i'd love to know what remender feels when okay great he gets the pages from remender from opinion and he's like this looks amazing this is this is great this is better than i than, than i imagined when i wrote it and then he gets the colors from Matt. And I just, I, I, I want to know how his, his reactions or, or just from, from one to the next, seeing it in black and white and seeing the colors come in. It's just, it's, I don't ever want to see this in, in plain black and white as much as I love Opeña and he is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just, this, this book would absolutely, I don't want to see an artist edition of seven to eternity. I, there is no way that this book would work for me without the color involved. Yeah. The, the, the sequence that really pinpointed uh, the, the, the crucial element of Hollingsworth was when they're feeding the mud King and, and they throw some, some intestines at him and he's, he's eating the guts and he's, he's monologuing, he's pulling at it and you get a bunch of tight shots of of the mud king just just speaking and his eyes are lit from behind but hollingsworth just doesn't let it go there he illuminates well the mud king doesn't have a nose so let's just say the 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 uh extended area below the eyes where the nose would have been he illuminates the the part of it that's closest to the eye sockets look at the color in there there's light on his underneath his eyes and and the, the like i'm saying the bridge of what would have been his nose i'm not thinking a, a whole bunch of other guys would have went that far right you know you see this light pouring out of his head and it's it's affecting the 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 texture and the color of the guy's skin in proximity to the light source it's like whoa like this is mm-hmm. great yeah oh. Well, I mean, I'm being quiet, but only because I feel like I'm fully on record of my love affair with Jerome Pena's art. I think he's been my 11 o'clock choice three times. Yeah. Um, you know, believe it or not, Vince, he's almost he's almost my age. Ah. He's, he's uh, I think he's 41. Oh, so he's got a good 10 years left to, to make <laughs> art. Right? Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He won well, the Ross Manning Award. Sure. In two thousand and three, whoa, good lord, lordy big lordy. But uh, Seven to Eternity is another one of those books where you don't get too attached to people, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you do, you know you're going to be heartbroken when they leave. Because a lot of characters fall by the wayside in these nine issues. My favorite was uh, Patchwork. Yeah, I loved her. Yeah, she's amazing. I mean, do you do anything? Any kind of extrapolation on the the Frankenstein mythology that's yeah, yeah, I'm in, and to make it a woman 
whose body parts were her own family? Like that's number one. That's heartbreaking. That they chopped her up and threw her, threw her in a in a, a a charnel heap along with the the pieces of her her dead family. And she that's when her power kicked in, and she absorbed. She connected to the 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 closest body parts, and she's she's the patchwork woman. That the concept of that is amazing to me. But spoiler, she does doesn't last all that long. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, who did you guys like? I, I mean, I generally liked them all, um, but I would say Patchwork was probably the most engaging of the group. Yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, read, reading in trade, I was I just like there's a point where she's fighting with someone who cuts off her arm. She takes his arm off and puts it on hers, and I was pretty excited about having a second trade to read this character and. Sure enough, you get to the end of the first trade and she's gone. And I'm just, yeah. all right. But I really liked, I really liked the lead as well. I mean, just I, I really, really was intrigued the same way you were with like the way that the nails were used and any time that they got to be used in in a scene, I just loved the way it was illustrated. So his so his character, especially using the nails. I mean, that was that and patchwork were my favorite things about the book. Yeah, I get a Fantasia vibe when the nails are fired. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which is not a bad thing, right? Dap, who who's your favorite character? Did they last the nine issues? No, no, they didn't. Who that? That was Drawbridge. I like Drawbridge a lot nice. too. Yeah, He's like the yeah. Ben Grimm. He's like the mm-hmm. you know, the thing. Don't be <laughs> now. I know when they came out, I talked about them, but I don't recall that you all had read them, or, or I don't recall your opinion if you did uh, about the James Heron interstitial, the two Heron issues. Oh, I went in on that. I, yeah. I know. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember you going in, but I don't remember your opinion. Yeah. Oh Oof, wow! Them. It was because it was. It was. It was, though, was... Though, <laughs> Wait, that he, he doesn't remember that I loved them. No, no, that he doesn't remember. Saying, wow, I don't remember. Oh, okay. No, yeah. Well, it was a long time ago, bro. I mean, it, it was. When's when's the tenth issue due out? I haven't checked the solicit, so soon. I don't know it is. Even... This is a good okay. time to be talking about it because it's finally coming off of a long hiatus. Right. It it, it was it was. He says at the end of the ninth issue, see, in all in, in 120 days. So, um, when I th- because we, what's funny is when I believe it was Heroes last year when. Um, there was it was either the talk that Heron was doing two issues um, or we got because I don't think we got to talk to him about it, but I think it was announced around that time. So it was uh, it was great to and then we've had Rick on since then and also. But we, we um, I thought the Heron issues were perfect in the sense that they were they weren't necessarily focusing on the main story of of adam and the mud king they, they he was able james was able to draw characters that were very reminiscent to his time with rumble uh so the 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 interlude if you want to call it that was it was fitting it wasn't it it was part of the overall story but it was different enough where he didn't you didn't need somebody who drew just like jerome and the 
because of the environment, because of the situation the characters were in, because James James's style is different than Jerome's, uh, the coloring was able to work well in that setting with those drawings. It, it really was a... It looked different, and it should have, but it didn't feel different. And, and whether that's just because Rick and, and James have a good chemistry or uh, Jerome laid things out where James had a pretty easy path to follow. Um, I didn't read it and think that, well, this is an Opeña. So, I mean, it's not half as good or anything like that. It, it absolutely, in my mind, it absolutely fit in with, with, with what Rick and Jerome had started. Mm-hmm. So, uh, per our, our memories, uh, seven to eternity. Number seven was published on July 5th of last year and eight on August 2nd. So, it was right after Heroes, so we already knew that they were coming out for sure. Yes. Um, and then the 10th issue is solicited for July 18th. Right. So I it know it's back. July. Okay. Because of the many deaths in this book, I kind of wish that the title of the series would change to reflect. <laughs> right. You know, like, so now it's six to eternity, and then a right. couple five, issues yeah, later right. it's five. That would have been cool. Oh, or that could be... That could be the issue number. That could be, you know, so it could just be to eternity, but then the issue number would be, and but it would be like reverse zero. It would be like zero hour where you'd start yeah. with the higher number and so you get to the zero issue. Which well, but the question the is, is that, is that posse even a thing anymore, right? I mean, with the way that the ninth issue ends, I mean, is is that, have we not even I mean, it's, abandoned that it, entire concept? It, it seems to be Adam and, and the Mud King against the world, yeah. so. I'm like a buddy, buddy, buddy flick all of a sudden. Yeah, all of a sudden. Uh, Anybody just, uh, just, feel just me sympathy for the Mud King at all? Yes. No. <laughs> By the end of it, I wouldn't say sympathy, but I can. I'm not hating him as much. Mm. I I right. feel more yeah, with that's... Vince, to where I almost kind of looked at Zeb as the villain of the piece at certain mm-hmm. times. Right, and that's it, it. It's not a black and white book. You're not you're not reading this going. Okay, you know these are the characters. This is who I'm. I'm I'm all in on this dude. And and these are these are flawed characters. Everybody makes mistakes. And and it, I think the end of the second arc really kind of just reminds you that it's it's okay to well, not even it, it's. You may be, you've been hoodwinked. It's it's okay to, you know, you've hitched your your wagon to someone who isn't uh, so perfect. And, and uh, I, I think that, and that's like that in, in, in a lot of Rick's books where, I mean, whether it's Deadly Class or Black Science, it's like you think that there's a character that, that you can kind of get behind, and, and that's that that's the hero of the story, but there are very few 100% heroes in any of Rick's stories. Yeah. And and Zeb has a high level of pettiness, too. So it's like the Mud King. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, the in issue nine, the Mud King fires the nail holding Zeb's blood, and he ravages Zeb, ravages the White Lady, 
get your hands off my boy and she he's he's <laughs> chopping her apart and it's so he 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 has that i mean he's a spirit he's obviously in another realm where all worldly concerns should have been or one would hope would have been extinguished and he still holds this friggin grudge you let me free now i'm gonna enact my vengeance bitch and he's cutting her up and he, he does the deed which should have been enough for him but he scans his boy. He uses the, the 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 power to get the orb out, and he's he scans his son. And when he finds out his son listened to the Mud King, he turns his back on him. Mm-hmm. That's petty. This is your boy, yeah. your your flesh and blood. Did you see? Did you not experience what happens when you walk down that path? You lived it, and now you're you're a there. spirit, and you should. These kind of things should not matter to someone. I like to think if there's any kind of afterworld, like all this bullshit that we engage in uh, on the terra firma goes away. I mean, you wouldn't even need a body, right? But it's it, they, he's still latching on to this, these valueless concepts of, of honor and, 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 steadfast and it's like what does it what's the value in all that i don't get it that, that you made People your are stubborn you're you're by turning your back on your boy you now have influenced every action that he will undertake from that moment onward but that's because pause in the moment that's his that was his reaction he he instead of instead of my boy listening to me learning from my mistakes and my experiences he's not going to do that Mm-mm. I'm not going to hear him now because, like he said, I'm dying. Yeah, I did this to help us. And but, pause. I, I of everything that I taught you, like you, you couldn't do this once. And and it's just it's whether it's it's hurt or it's like you said, it's petty. But it, you people would, in this book are absolutely stubborn. Yeah, but you they would think that to see he'd be way. above it, right? He should be above it. No. So, so what is he going to go he's, back to the spirit world and just like sulk? <laughs> well, just because he's dead doesn't mean he doesn't have he doesn't have all knowledge now. Just because he's in the afterlife, he's still all of ex, all his experiences, whatever he he obtained while he was alive, that hasn't changed. So he's still he he doesn't. It, it's not like he was touched by whatever deity they all believe in, and and now he has now he's all seeing and and can disrobe from all of the pettiness of the world behind him it's it's he's still who he was when he was so that that's yeah. not going to change his, his his attitude isn't going to change now no he doesn't learn from his mistakes no he, doesn't. he probably doesn't even see them so whether as you're mistakes. alive or dead it's still right now, that that could be it too because yeah, yeah i mean shit i know people i'm stubborn i know people who just like refuse mm-hmm. to, to to change their mind about you are anything and i believe it or not bro but it's it's just one of those things where no seriously um there are just you you cannot change even when even when if they're driving home and in the back of their mind they're like you know what maybe no i can't I, i because i can't admit to being wrong i can't say whether you're fancy or not but you just cannot ever admit that either someone knew more than you 
or or someone saw things differently you just did this is your mindset and and it's which you know this it's weird with these nine issues this book seems this book is a lot deeper than than what you might think it is at the surface. It's it's a very right. pretty book, mm-hmm. but once you start dissecting it and look at all the characters, it's like there's there, there's some it, it's meta. There's some deep shit here. Yeah, true. But I don't know. I don't want I, I don't want to keep beating this dead horse. But you look at the cost of acting in a in a a manner that you have forever. And you look at the cost, and you look at the out the potential outcomes, and you got to ask yourself: is is it worth it? Now, you know, maybe it was my particular set of life experiences that that showed me that there's not a whole lot on this planet that's worth it, right? When 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 you face um, a life threatening illness, it kind of puts a whole bunch of shit in perspective. Like it's not worth to get upset. If somebody walks on the carpet and gets mud on it, like you clean it, big deal, or you get another carpet. But uh, I mean, just to, to, I'm just going in a different direction, but like the, the, we're not talking about dirty carpets here. We're talking about the lives of this man's surviving family. And he just turns the back, his back on them. Like, you wronged me, boy. Aww. You gonna be okay, Zeb? You you're gonna be sad, Bob Gar in the afterlife, and 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 like I, I just yeah. it, it just makes no sense to me, uh, and that's why I don't really like Zeb, because I don't really I don't understand him. I don't I don't put any value in a guy who doesn't use his head when it comes to the well being of his family, and that's what it's all about. That he hasn't learned that it's just it's it's just all about and maybe i don't know i'm i'm digging a hole here maybe he you know loved his family so much that he, this is his way of protecting them i don't know but what i'm a uh, big picture seven to eternity is more than just a fantasy romp through many different locations i mean you if you haven't read this book i i we all yeah suggest that you do because you'll get a lot out of it more than just what the 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 surface of the paper it will resonate is what i'm i guess i'm trying and to i say. think it's the kind of book that everybody will get something different from based on how they come at it with their own life experiences because much like vince like having gone through a lot in a small time in life like i'm a much me- more mellow person but like one thing that i would go to the mats for is my family yep. and so i just saw zeb's character as just so stubborn and so egotistical that his way was right that he wouldn't even just listen to the offer like he wouldn't even think about it to protect his family to look after his family and so I, i definitely think it's the kind of book that's so good and it's comes at it from a more ambiguous moral direction that Really, you're going to get something different out of it based on how you've lived life. Right, right. If if there was a list of things you would sacrifice in order to protect your family, I would think that your life would be number one on the list. Yes. So therefore, every everything else is subsequent to number one. So if the Mud King's not asking for your life, he's just asking for... Your bended knee. He's asking for your fealty. Uh, why not? 
why, why not? You're not you're not doing the ultimate sacrifice to save your family. You're actually compromising by giving him number two or number three. So why the hell not? Uh, oh, it's it's <laughs> so much on which to chew. <laughs> but anyway, it's beautiful. It's a friggin' beautiful book in every. I I love the hair and issues, but. I mean, it's kind of hard to follow Opeña. It really is. And yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I'm, that's why I wanted to revisit it because I, I, I know where you're going. I, I, I think Karen's art's awesome. I do. Um, but I just think it, it's so startle, startlingly different than yeah. what Opeña's doing with which, the book. That, uh, which is why I think that little diversion was was perfect it was a perfect time for them to give jerome the break and right. tell a story with different characters i don't I, know if i really I, want to see jerome's version of the mud king but seeing the other characters I, I, james i mean i i don't think yeah. i i was fine with with his version mm-hmm. in these two chapters because it felt like enough of a enough of a side quest so it, it 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 wasn't off-putting to me, but I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that. Oh my God, you followed Opania, and therefore I I don't I really don't want to compare the two. I just I, I appreciate them for for telling the, the chapters they were telling. Yeah, it was a side quest, but it was one that changed the entire status quo of the book. So yeah, it was a dalliance, and we got we got Javalia more fleshed out. But it also set in motion every issue that's going to follow. I mean, but that's every issue, right? Every issue should do that. But so now she was somewhat enamored with Adam. Um, I would think maybe a little bit more than friends because he gave her the, they met as children in the, in the marketplace or whatever and he gave her a carving and that carving became something more than just art to her it became yes it was pretty to look at but it became a symbol for what else was out there in the world that that she couldn't have anymore or or didn't have and and so she carried that with her through her adult life, even though she succumbed to the Mud King and she became his thrall and she maneuvered herself into a position where she could stab him in the back and did. She still had Adam as maybe the the fulcrum of that whole character development road. And and he saw her as, you know, not only his first kiss, but I don't think he carried any kind of... A, of a, a love for her, but she was the first. So that's something, right? She's, she's significant in his life that she was the first woman to actually touch him in a manner that he wasn't accustomed to. I'm not being dirty. Um, but that all that changes. Those two issues at the end of the, that little mini arc, Javaya hates Adam. She wants him dead. Like mm-hmm. extinguished, so you only imagine where that's going to go, right? How, how do you how do you fight a foe that can extract your your deepest desires? They know right. you. It, it's hard. 
So not only does he have to contend with the Mud King, now he's got to contend with Javalia. And I think she may become eventually a bigger threat than the Mud King. That's interesting. Right? Because, I mean, she kind of sort of has the same power. Uh, not exactly. But if the the Mud King will 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 connive you and get you to do things he wants you to do against your will... But what if you already know that person like Javalia? So you, you, she's, she can manipulate you in ways knowing what you want. She's, you put, bring her in a casino, she'd be like, whoa. Um, I, 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 I just think there's, there's the, the, the possibilities from issue 10 on are just, I have no idea where this is going to go. And it's great. I agree. Yeah, I it's agree. great. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't know if anybody else is uh, aware of it, but um, has anyone else seen uh, Stephen King's Storm of the Century? Mm-hmm. He gives the the Mud King gives off very much a vibe of Andre Linoge. Yeah, You're for right. me, and and I love Storm of the Century. I probably watch it like once a year, and that character's always intrigued me. Of like this guy who walks around, and he's he's almost like not almost he's more dangerous when he's talking he's not dangerous for physical reasons as much as you just if the guy you get the guy talking he can talk you into anything right and so i being someone who loved that property reading i probably read into it a little bit too much but like i read that character almost as the as that character i read the mud king as Linoge. One of hmm. the better Stephen King adaptations. I know that's yeah. not saying much, but it's it's it's, it's one <laughs> of the better ones. Yeah, you know that is that is another not not to take this on a tangent, but it is remarkable how many Stephen King books are beloved, justifiably so, and how often he allows them to be adapted, and how frequently those adaptations are shite. Yep. Yep. It's pretty unbelievable when you think about this, it. This stand does not hold up. The television stand. Now that's something I've rewatched multiple times because the stand is one of my five favorite books ever, but it is rough. It I'm is right rough, there. I'm right there yeah. with you. It's rough, it, but but I still have mad love for it. And, but you and rewatch it because it's the only way to get it. Like, yes. And, yes. But what a cast, though. I, I long forgot the actor's name who's hanging with Molly Ringwald the whole entire time. But every time you see him on the screen now, he's just chewing up scenery and. Yeah. You mean. Um, uh, Parker Lewis. Yeah, Corin Nemec. Yes. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what's everybody's favorite Stephen King adaptation? Oh, geez. Um, I mean, Stand By Me, I guess, but does that, I don't know if that oh, counts. Oh, but... no, of course that counts. Sure counts. Yeah. Well, there you go. See, I almost like them for their badness, the television ones, so like, I'm tempted to say Langoliers. My dude. But probably Storm of the Century. I, I mean I can watch Storm of the Century over and over and over. I don't think again. I've ever Tim, seen this. It's three issue three issue miniseries a uh, three episode miniseries. I don't think I've ever seen it. Tim Daly as like the do right he's Tim Daly's like the Zeb to the uh Mud King where he just he just will not bend any bit and everyone in the town is like it has secrets and Linoge 
knows their secrets and uses them against them and tells them, hey, look, all you have to do is give me one little thing and I'll go away and you guys can all live your lives or you guys can all die or your children mm-hmm. can all die. And like, it's, it's a, and he won't bend no matter what the cost to his family, to his island. Cause you're just not supposed to give into evil. And everybody else is like, is like, you know what? We kind of give into evil a little bit every day. Anyway, this is just one thing. And then we get to live. So, I mean, it's very similar to seven to eternity. Mm-hmm. Good call. My man. How about you, Vince? Hmm. Maximum overdrive. I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I don't see how you can't say the, sh- the shining. How could you? What, Which was, by the way, the second adaptation ever of his what, work. What trumps Kubrick? Not much. Mm. No, that's a good one. What about you, Dap? Misery. Mm, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't even think of this, but this would, I'm sure, be the majority winner for this, for this if we polled a thousand people, and that would be Shawshank. Because that's uh, the number one rated movie on AFI and IMDb of all time. Without like it's it's always the number one movie in the and I don't even think of that as a Stephen King property. I know, no, I know. yeah, no, it is, but yeah, I don't. It's, I mean, I, I, I've seen Shawshank a bunch of times. It is, it's a really good movie. I've I've seen it enough where I really don't need to see it again. But it's it's I've never I've also never read the original source material, so mm-hmm. um, I don't want to do the whole compare and contrast. Because I mean, I would I would love to say Running Man, but I mean, those are two different fucking things anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's um, well, I watched Cat's you know, Eye a thousand times on HBO when I was. Kid. Oh my god, <laughs> a thousand times. Uh, Cat's Eye was great, especially oh when when he's trying to get him to stop smoking. Oh Twitter, my god, yeah, Twitter, I love that it. movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there are that movie. there's a handful of great ones. Um, Salem's Lot. The Shining, Pet Cemetery is great. Um, uh, Storm of the Century, See, I, I would add to that. I, I'd, I'd like to say Pet Cemetery is great, but there are there there are things in that movie that aren't intentionally funny, and, and yeah, it, I, I especially think, when well, the little baby when the kid gets run over, and it, and it, and yeah, and, I like and the movie, it, he's, it he's stumbling down the hallway. He's like church, and he's like, no fear, no fear, and clunk. I was just it, the movie cracks me up more than anything else. The, um, I, I, if I you love say Pet Cemetery, Man when it came out, oh boy, uh, absolutely. Um, no thinner. I love that book, but I saw the movie and I was just like it, it, it cringed at times. Uh, Cujo, I, I enjoyed Cujo. <laughs> Firestarter is um, okay. Yeah, no Firestarter. I, I I love that movie when I saw it growing up. Because I it, on HBO constantly it was it was that and Cat's Eye it was like a fuck Stephen King double feature. Yeah. What about Carrie? I, I think uh, the new. I like the remake of Carrie. Ooh. I see the remake, Christine. Yeah, I don't know about Christine. <laughs> I, I enjoyed I mean, the Mist. Um, the, yes. It's okay. Great movie. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great movie. I think That's it's okay. the. I mean, I enjoyed it, but yeah, it's the only Stephen King property where the ending of the the translation is better than the original. Mm-hmm. And I by the way, I, that, right? I'm not giving enough props now that I think about it to it that came out last year. I thought that was great. I haven't seen it. Uh, has anybody tried watching the Dreamcatcher? Yes, tried being the operative word. Yeah, mm. that was a rough one. Yeah. I, and, and I liked the book, but the movie was. I was nah. real disappointed in Cell as well. I thought that was bad. 
And I and I have to add the the Dark Towers Dookie. It's terrible. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Why would I you do the, that? Uh, I give you the prospect I, I, for nine I, movies. Here, make one. There you go. Yeah, make one. Make one and just and and a definitive one. Um I I wanted to like it the one that came out last year. It just it and I, I get it. You know, I realize what, what where they're going with it, but it mm-hmm. it definitely felt unfinished to me. It just yeah. I I, mm-hmm. I I thought everybody was great. I thought everybody played their part really well, and it's a shame that you know Mike from Stranger Things is going to be typecast as the kid from high school forever. But it it's just it's I I think there are um, I'm watching it and it ends and I'm just like I not to say that the CBS TV movie was fantastic but i I, the way they went with the flashbacks in the present day and it 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 told a more complete movie all it told it told a more complete story all in at once over the course of those few nights whereas here we now have to wait yeah where we're going it's just so i mean to hold that against it though because like it seems to be the way films go now like you you did did the lord of the rings and the hobbit i mean they just do that often it's yeah the, the last Harry Potter book. I don't understand. I mean, yeah. yes, it was a long ass movie, but it's like, okay, why are we cutting up? But no, you're absolutely right. Yes, they. It's the way to to make sure the asses get in the seats for the yeah, next to, one. To but squeeze the teeth maybe when it. <laughs> right, and I, I, if if I revisit it when the second one comes out and I watch them back to back, I'll maybe I'll feel different. But I'm mm-hmm. judging that on its own because that's all we have right now. Right. Um. I I, I didn't love it as much as I wanted to. And I cannot front. I remember, and I haven't watched it since it came out, so it's, it may have not aged well, but I remember really enjoying the Tommy Knockers miniseries with my man Jimmy Smith. Love Jimmy Smith. Who's in I love that book. Who's I in love everything. Tommy Knockers. That book yeah. is one of, my, uh, one of my favorites. Rose Red was also pretty good. Didn't see it. Dolores Claiborne. Didn't see it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, you can I'm throw- a little bit younger than you guys, so... For me, I'll rub it in, movies, Jonathan. Go ahead. No, so when those movies, oh, oh, trust me, I, I feel like an old man. My wife's much younger than me, so I go through the whole entire day just feeling like an old man. <laughs> but when I was a teenager, watching, especially as a, uh, I had parents that would not let me watch horror movies. So as a younger teenager, preteen, being able to stay up till ten and watch the miniseries of Stephen King. It was great. It was an obsession. It was me being like completely terrified over things that now I watch them. That how how did I let that hokey thing scare me? And so all of those are blazoned in my memory. Mostly the TV ones. I I got to see the the movies much more later in life as a later teenager. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to swing the spotlight on Mr. Gordon. Because right. I, I got a, I got a question. Um, how long did it take mm-hmm. you to get as good as you are with the Copics? God damn! Because I find there is a steep, as with anything in art, there's a steep learning curve with the Copics. Just finding what colors blend well with others, and and the the technique of of the layering and the what you do so very well. I mean, you make it look damn easy. And mm-hmm. I've I've used Copics before. They're not easy. 
I mean, it just it it all, it all comes down to how many roughly how many hours have you put in to experimenting with the Copics to get as as good as you are with them? I mean, you make it look like it's not even you make it look like another medium, which is is hard to do. See, and that's um not necessarily just with the. Copics, I call them Copics. I don't know if Copic. Copic. Um, I mispronounce everything, so don't go by me. But no, with the Copics, like I probably have only been using them since maybe two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and okay. even then, I was only using one or two colors and mixing them in with color pencil. Everything I did was Prismacolor color pencil before that. <laughs> that talk about an unforgiving medium. Prismacolor is hard. Well, and that's the thing is, since I was sixteen. I would just use Prismacolor color pencils to do photograph photo try, as photorealistic art as I possibly could, and so it's probably about twelve, thirteen years I was using doing huge, huge. I'm talking bigger than eighteen by twenty four sports art pieces, all in color pencil. Wow! And oh Jesus! So my fingers were completely like I. You'll see me. You'll see it in person when we're at uh, Heroes. But where my pencil rests or the marker rests, I have a gigantic callus on my finger that's just bulged out still, and I haven't used colored pencil in so long. But so in a way, I see that as training for what I did with the Copics because I mm-hmm. learned how to blend skin tones, especially doing a lot of sports art, which I did professionally since I was sixteen. I learned how to blend the skin tones. And so for me, it was just the, the way my brain works. Every time I, I would, it, it kind of, I used the Copics out of necessity because my fingers were getting so sore that to produce the amount of work I had to professionally, I started using the Copics to substitute certain colors. So I would start with the lighter skin tones, and if I needed a large chunk of lighter skin tone, I would use the Copic that most fit that color. And so slowly, I just had a marker in place for every color pencil I used in my color palette. And just kind of, even though you're, I, I don't know if they would teach you to use the Copics that way, I used I just used them the same way I used the pencils and blended the same kind of the same way I used the pencils. So I go from darker to light. And I've seen a lot of artists who use Copics go put down the light colors first and then go over with dark colors. But I'll put down a really, really dark color and then I'll kind of like try to pull it out with the markers, with the lighter markers. So that's how I get out of probably only three or four skin tone colors. Like whenever you see a full face or like the listener looking at the cover whenever you see those faces there's really probably only four copic colors that go into that wow that's crazy like four copic (laughs) markers i'm just putting down like i'll put down a sepia and then i'll pull it out with like a dark suntan and then i'll pull it out with a light with a light suntan and you'll see me in person doing it when i'm working on like a jam piece or something but I work really quick, so I'll have f- all four or five markers in my hand. And the second I put down the brown before it can dry, I have the cap off of my dark suntan, and I'm pulling it out. So that way, like, I've heard that people say you want to use the Copics 
light to dark because the colors will fade if you put down a darker color and then a light color. And the way that I get the photorealistic effect is that I, I use that color fade in a way. Uh, if that makes any sense. No, it does. But I mean, the traditional method of building up color is to work light to dark, but you seem to have broken that, that, that rule. I mean, it, it looks phenomenal when you do it. And correct me if I'm wrong, the, the Copic people think similarly, like you're an official Copic yes. representative. Yeah. Like they use your so, art to say, look what you can do with these things. So yeah, if you follow the Copic um, Instagram account, like they'll feature my artwork probably about once a month. And I got this last year when they got when they did. Right now, they're currently doing three different colors for the month, and they'll send all of their official artists the markers and have you play with them and feature your artwork. And I've already done one of them, and I'm on schedule to do another one in September. So that's amazing. So yeah, I've got the Copic blessing. I've got the, the Strathmore art blessing, thankfully, and haven't had to pay for paper in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Official, it's, always nice. It, it's good where you can have the official seal of approval. Yeah. Like, damn. Uh, I, I must admit, I don't know. Are you, are you like for, formally trained? Did you go to art school? Or are you self-taught both? What's the, I am what's the background? I'm a hundred percent self-taught. Like I've that's been, maddening. Like I've, I've never even ha- had an art class. <laughs> Holy shit! Like my gra- like, but but it, here's the thing: is like I think it helps if you've seen someone do it in your family, so you know that it can be done. Okay. Like I don't know if I would have picked up and just said, "Hey, I'm going to be a professional artist." So someone in your family was an artist, or my grand my grandfather was a professional artist, and okay. so like he would do these like wildlife sculptures. And he would he he was from Michigan, Lansing, Michigan, and he would do these big wildlife paintings and these big wildlife pen drawings, like big pen drawings of eagles and stuff. And he would like he worked in a factory, and he would always be they would always lay off people or be on strike, and that's how he made his money on the side was just doing portraits for different people that were like wildlife paintings wildlife sculptures he would make knives and knife handles and i mean his work was just incredible like we have two or three pieces hanging up in our house like it so i kind of knew it was a a thing you could do that you could just if you got worked at artwork you could get better at it it's it's one of those things i knew could happen and i think with anything it's easier when you see it that close that it's a possibility I'm baffled. And so I when I so, so, so really how I started was uh like I I was born in 1980. So Ugh. like I would say I probably started drawing like 89-90 and like mm-hmm. what I did was I would just take my comic books or my baseball card and I would put it next to a piece of like copy paper and my parents would always bring buy me like a big hundred pack of copy paper or something. And I had maybe like a sketch pencil set that I got for Christmas and I would just take a Tony Gwynn card, put it next to a eight and a half by 11 piece of copy paper. And I would draw it three or four times, five times and just start training myself to see 
the copy pit, see the Tony Gwynn over on the copy paper and kind of draw it. And I have a photographic memory, so it kind of helps a little bit. I can look up and down real quick and kind of see where the lines need to be. Oh but yeah, no, like no art classes, nothing. <laughs> That's amazing. In as a military brat, so like I mean, in the eighties and nineties, there wasn't exactly a whole lot of money for to break off for art classes and bounce around from school to school. So there was, I never stuck with like an art teacher or anything like that. This is getting more and more interesting. So, so we've known you a long time. I did not know you have a photographic memory. Yes. That is crazy. That's awesome. Like you hear about that, but I don't know that I've actually ever known someone personally that has it. Like seeing, seeing like some people, like um, some people, especially in, in our in our community, know that I'm bipolar, and I have had some issues with that. And like the benefit of it, I mean, like the other half of that though is I have a really high IQ. I have an IQ that's in the genius level, and I have a photographic memory, and it's like the other half of that. They, they, a lot of times they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like I got to use the benefit of both of it. And like, I, as someone who leans more towards being manic than depressed, like I got to go through my whole entire twenties as a professional artist and use a little bit of that manic energy to pull all nighters and like draw 20, 20, 30 straight hours without sleeping and just work, 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 work. And got really lucky as someone who didn't, never had like high school art and college art training. Mm-hmm. That I look back at the art that I did when I was 16, when I started get, getting professional work as a sports artist. And I have no idea how people paid me to do it. But from that point, I basically got paid to do art, and that's been my only job. So I, was, I learned kind of by like the 10,000 hours method of mm-hmm. being paid to just draw, 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 draw first with the color pencils and then with the copics. And I didn't, re- I wasn't one of those people who had a social life, a big social life. So I kind of stayed in as an 18 year old, 19 year old, 20 year old. And so everybody I knew was out partying, going to college and I stayed home and all I did was work and draw. And I think I probably the four years I would have been at college, I spent every single day, I'm talking Christmases, weekends, everything, just drawing. I was obsessed with it. You probably did wow. yourself a favor. Yeah, I mean, it whew, It certainly has worked. I now, mean, the, 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 the journey has, has led to a phenomenal skill. So what was the inroad to the the sports cards like did you just did you happen to meet someone from either tops or like say upper deck and just say yo this, this is what i do do you so have any was, any room i was for a me? huge sports nerd so i still i'm a huge sports nerd um if i'm not in the eoc uh group on facebook talking i'm in like raf and a couple of us have like a basketball group and I'm in there 24-7 to the point where my wife is like, John, when I wake up, John, Raph has sent like 32 mentions of you. Because <laughs> like all we do is argue basketball, me and Raph. That's it. And so I was obsessed with, with sports. I played sports. 
And then probably around 16, I started hanging out a lot at minor league baseball games and started doing artwork of the minor league baseball players and just getting them to sign it, whatever. And really just another excuse to draw. And a few of them liked them so much and we saw them and were like, Hey, can you draw me? And thankfully, and I don't know, Jason, I know, I know Jason and David follow baseball a little bit. So maybe you'll know the name. I was very grateful. And the whole reason that like professionally things started for me was a baseball player named Benny Agbayani for the Mets. Sure. Oh yeah. From the Mets. Yeah. <laughs> so he played for the Norfolk Tides, which was down, which were down here. Okay. And I did a, a portrait of him. And that year, the team was stacked with pro players, future pro players like Terrence Long, Octavia Dotel, Jason mm-hmm. Richinghausen. If you don't He's know baseball, like, right there. These are all these are all names that probably mean nothing. But like he told all of those players, asked me for asked me for a portrait, seeing the one I did of him, and he. Like, I would have done it for free. I was a baseball nerd. I would have been happy to do it. He told them that I charged him $200 for the portrait and got them to pony up money for their portraits. Oh, nice. That was the very first time that I knew I could do it. And all of a sudden, real quick, I'm just printing up business cards. And, like, a few of them handed it. Terrence Long, when he got traded to the A's, he handed out business cards. And, like... All of a sudden, I'm getting from minor league baseball players, major league baseball players, like requests to do these like career portraits. And then huh. I'm talking to minor league teams and I'm doing program covers and I'm doing like when a player that played for them comes back for like their special day, like I'm doing portrait, portrait art for them, for the team to give away in a frame. And that's, I started doing that at Michigan State University for them. And through, a lot of my sports are being out there. Did you do one for Draymond? I did a Draymond, but not for Draymond. It, uh, was, it was a lawyer who was a booster of the team who was like, mm-hmm. "I want this," and because I was doing doing a lot of work for like the like the volleyball team, like there, I not inroads with the basketball team, but like a lot of the boosters of the sport of the sports team saw like these really great pieces that I did. These were huge, like eleven by they were. No, they were 18 by 24 and they were all color pencil and they are huge montage pieces and they would take forever. And my, that was really when I started using the copics because my fingers were just breaking off from doing these pieces. And no, I got really lucky that, um, tops upper deck, a few other companies got to see my artwork and started doing, started getting asked to do that stuff and no i've just i've I've really it's been a case of and i always tell people because i get a lot of younger artists ask me like how do i get into things how do i get into doing these things and i always just tell them like just draw your best work and even if it's for free like draw it as if you got if it's a top dollar commission like if you're starting out and you're doing something for free or low dollar commission Put the work into it as if it's a high dollar commission. Mm, that's you great just never know who's going to see it. Mm-hmm. And if you if you do that like fifty dollar commission, like it's a five hundred dollar commission, it's someone's going to see it and think that they should pay more for your artwork. 
I think that's really well said. Yeah, it's very good advice. Yep. Yeah, I man. Read. I watch you. I watch you with the copics, and again, I'm not an artist, but uh, but like, but uh, but as I think you know, my dad is an artist, and so I'm not unfamiliar with the craft, but I I can't practice the craft. But I watch what you do with the copics, and as someone who collects a lot of art, like I don't I don't even know how you do it, dude. Like I'm like I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. Like it doesn't even seem like it should like look like I don't know. It's it's almost like magic. It's like, alchemy. Yeah, you're like a wizard. Exactly. <laughs> It's like well, you're transmuting something into something else, but I've got lucky to work with a lot of to work in groups, like hang out in groups with a lot of other artists, and they'll see what I do, and they're like, "Why do you draw that way? Like you're messing up your markers. You're messing up your markers." And I go through a lot of markers, and I, when I first started, I would buy each and every one of the markers new, and I didn't really even know about the refills. Oh, jeez. So I was spending quite a lot of money, and thankfully I was making quite a lot of money as well. So it was it was okay, like the the sports stuff was paying and still does pay really well. And so I would go through a ton of markers and now I go through a ton of refills. And if you see my, um, one of my favorite markers in my collection that just sits here and I still use it is this like pink RV 11 and the nib is so screwed up on it. I mean, it's, it, it looks terrible. It doesn't even look like, a marker anymore at the top, but I still use it. And it's cause I blend with them and I push really hard with the markers mm-hmm. and I go dark to light. And I've, I've been really lucky. Just I, and I tell artists that all the time, like any kind of career you need luck and you need the right person to be looking at the right time, but you got to put the work into it. And I really, really got lucky that my parents like my family is a big military family uh, here on Memorial Day. Like, got really, really lucky that I had a military family that really wasn't about having an artist as a son in a way. And I got the best end of that because, like, my dad would always say, like, whatever career path you take, like, treat that like it's the most important job. So I always, I've always looked at art as. And every bit that I've done, like, I'm not a huge video game player, and mostly because I know, like, what it can do to you to, like, get sucked into a video game and or video games, and, like, that's time away from art. And so the only thing I really take time away from art for is my family. And everything else, when I'm there, when I'm sitting there drawing, like, it's a job, and it's the most important job, and that's what I'm doing. There you go. Good, good advice. Yep. All right, comics. Yeah. What are we reading here? Dap's been doing well, very, we had very another quiet. assignment. That you what was this? Did. Well, the three of us, so I'm kicking you to the curb because I don't think you did it. Uh, read Black Panther number one. Yeah, no. By Ta-Nehisi Coates and Daniel Acuna, your boy. I love him. I know you do. So tell me about it. Tell them about it. Well, full disclosure, um, I was not current on Coates's Black Panther run that came subsequent to this. Um, same seems quick. Well, how about you, Jonathan? Were you? No, I read the first trade, and that was it. Yeah, okay, same. So, um, but like any Marvel or DC book, if you're gonna if you're gonna do a reboot or a number one, I'm gonna give it a try. See if it's good enough to reel me back in. And this one got a lot of hype because even though they weren't changing the writer, it was certainly a departure in that um, it was billed as 
Black Panther in space. Um, so my curiosity was piqued, and I hadn't seen Acuna in a minute. Now, I'm sure he's been working regularly, but I, I just hadn't seen him. Um, and so apologies to any of you Acuna hardcore fans out there that are yelling into your uh, MP3 players or, or computers right now about what he's been working on. But um, uh, this was a, a very pleasant surprise this book to me it it was not at all what i expected i thought it would be excuse me it would be t'challa and some of the key members of wakanda deciding much like the inhumans did at different points in their life to leave earth for whatever reason they deemed whether it was it wasn't safe anymore or uh, whatever right i just assumed that's what it'd be they'll be getting on a ship and flying off into space uh and then they'd have encounters with different cosmic things for a while until they got back to earth um, this was not that this looked and felt a lot to me, at least like bitch planet. Um, Kelly Sue's book. It, it, first of all, Cunha looked much better than I remember him. And what I mean by that is I didn't think Acuna was bad, but I thought he was often uneven and it seems like he's refined his approach a bit where it's a little looser in terms of the line work. Um, but it's more consistent as a result. And I think it's, it's, I think he's a better storyteller as, as, uh, as an outcome of that. Um, but we are basically in what, and I'm interested to hear what you guys think on this, but it seems to me like we're intentionally left to wonder if this is story set in the far flung future or, or our current present, because the way it's set up, is that 5,000 years ago, a contingent of Wakanda was sent off into space for safety's sake. And over that 5,000 years, their interpretation of keeping themselves safe was to uh, overtake and conquer any surrounding um, planets or, or, or societies that could theoretically pose a threat. And so as a result, they have become... Uh, a massive galactic power. Uh, although it's not said in the book, it's implied that it's essentially on par with the Shi'ar or the Kree. Um, and it's now this strange amalgamation of uh, bunches of alien races who all happen to adhere to uh, more futuristic looking versions of the Wakanda garb and the tribal rituals and the iconography. Uh, most notably, of course, Black Panther. And at the same time, we're introduced to a um, prisoner who has no memory, he's got amnesia, who looks um, unmistakably like our, our friend T'Challa, and he's a badass, and he fights his way out of the prison he's being held in, uh, although, again, he doesn't have a memory, but he keeps seeing in his mind a, a beautiful woman who is telling him to come home. And, and uh, suffice to say, the woman looks remarkably like Storm. Uh, so you're led to believe this is T'Challa like our T'Challa, but yet this is this future world. And in the meantime, there's a revolutionary force um, where two of the lieutenants of that force are uh, Mbaku and uh, Nakia. Uh, and they kind of look like our versions. You know, they've got like spacesuits on and stuff, but but facially they look similar. Um, and eventually this amnesiac prisoner escapes, makes his way to the leader of the rebellion who 
tells him that he's going to play a big role. And she dubs him T'Challa for a great hero who came and, and, you know, whose time had come and passed, whose legend lives on. So it's fascinating because in it almost seems like it's just this crazy future Star Wars type epic that Coates wants to tell a story about for however many issues he gets a chance to. And he's tying it loosely into the Wakandan lore um, for purposes of it being in Marvel. Um, but it's also entirely possible that this is either some kind of altered reality or an alternative universe or perhaps our T'Challa and somehow this is all happening now and he's lost his memory. I don't know. And I don't think we're supposed to know. I think we're going to find out along for the journey. So I, I dug it a lot and I dug it a lot mainly because it wasn't at all like what I expected. And maybe I need to go back and read the rest of Coates's prior Black Panther run because bluntly I, I love Coates as an author. Um, and I talked about that when they hired him to do Black Panther, but I felt that his first Black Panther series, at least at the outset, really suffered from the slings and arrows of being a first time comic book writer. He was a serious academic novelist who I think had a, had difficulty at first transitioning from that to being a visual storyteller. And so the book felt heavy and wordy and not well paced. Now it's quite possible that between then and now he has figured it all out. And um, I've been missing out on some great comics, but because of the initial start, I lapsed. And so I was really pleasantly surprised by what I got in this issue um, from an action standpoint. This felt like a comic. It felt like, Star Wars to me, and it didn't feel heavy-handed. It was certainly, there's political overtones, but it didn't feel heavy-handed. It didn't feel like it was a comic just about a message. It felt like a, well, it didn't feel like a superhero comic. It felt like a space opera, but uh, certainly felt fantastical, and that's what I want from my comic. So I I really enjoyed it, Uh, and pleasantly so, a pleasant surprise. So uh, dying to know what, uh, what Dap and Jonathan thought. Go for it, Jonathan. Just like Dap, I'm a Star Trek guy, so I picked up on some of the Star Trek feel right away. And see, I'm not I'm not as up on Marvel and where everyone else is, so I didn't know if like is is this where T'Challa is? Like, is this is is Black Panther just kind of like off the chessboard here on Earth and in space? And so I just went along with it and read it, and it felt kind of like. Star Trek a little bit like this could have been a uh, Black Panther 2099 it it it's a really interesting story they give us your first little bit of it and like do we even know that this is T'Challa like no yeah and so I'm interested to see where it goes and I'm I liked it just as much as you did and, and felt the artwork was tight uh, I'm not as much of uh, a Kuna fan as uh, you may be. Like I don't, I, I'm not as uh, up on his artwork. So for me, it looked really nice and it looked really tight. Told the story, um, but I, I I liked it. I'm gonna continue to read it, and I like I like it from the Star Trek angle. Like it felt really maybe because I'm watching a lot of the Star Trek Discovery still. It felt 
Like, it could fit right in with that for me. Dap. I don't think I've seen Acuna since Uncanny Avengers. I don't know if he did anything in Secret Wars, but yeah, that's that's the last time I remember seeing him with any sort of um, regularity. As far as um, Black Panther, uh, like I echoed, um, I am behind. I just cataloged a bunch of them, so I, I I do have them off to the side, so I can I can read his his run and then the renumbered legacy issues and. Um, so I'm going to stay current with this as I try to go back and, and read the, uh, his first volumes, but I like this a lot. It's, it is a fantastic, it's, it's, it's a solid jumping on point. If, if you weren't reading anything by codes before this, um, you can easily pick this up and run with it. Uh, if, if you feel that, uh, codes may be, um, I don't want to say political, but just you know, with, with, with his, if you're familiar with his articles or his novels, his, his books, then, you know, I think this is removed from that. So you can, uh, this is a lot more comic booky than the initial Black Panther series. Um, I, some parts of it actually even felt DC in a sense where it's just, it's not present day. It's just, it's, it's completely its own thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think at least after reading this issue that I can kind of kiss the idea of any black Panther, Captain America crossovers since Coates is writing both uh goodbye, unless cap goes into a coma and dreams about a future where he can meet up with black Panther. But this is, I, I think that, you the art is solid i i I think akuna looks better here than he has in a while uh there are there are characters that you're no 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 No. well it's still it's still akuna so there's your butt it's (laughs) it's just a uh there's um you know i think it's it's weird Part of me is wondering if this is all in his mind, if he's going to wake up from something. Uh, but it's it's laid out where you kind of get the sense that this is what it is. Everything you need to know, everything you need to be aware of is all here on the page. Because even the title of, of, of the issue is Many Thousands Gone, which is the years that have gone by. It's it's basically, right. what, 2,000 years in the future? So it's it's... There's 2000 years ago, uh, Wakandans went to basically colonize the outer edges of the cosmos. And, and this is, um, the effects of that thousands of years later. So, um, there's, there's really nothing here that leads me to think that this is all just, a what if a hoax or an imaginary tale this this is i i'm i'm reading this as this is what it is and um you know it's nice to know that there are some factions or or races or the, the shiar will still exist in the future whether that's good or bad but um you know i'm i'm not 100% sure if everybody's above board as far as who we can trust uh but it it's it's you you have your your slaves or rather your mules 
and and there's a um they're in the mines doing the work and there's there's the whole freedom force freedom fighter resistance and and they do the rescue and and everybody uh shows their medal it's 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 a very solid first issue as far as where where coats and Acuna are taking um, this franchise. I, I I'm really looking forward to subsequent issues. I um, I know that in the legacy issue we got that one page, which was basically the first page of this issue, where uh, as we saw what all our Marvel heroes were, would be doing within the next year. Uh, and for the most part, that's almost all come to pass, but here we have that, that one page of black Panther in space. And now we know what it was implying. Um, yeah, I, I liked it a lot. I thought the, um, and the thing with Akuna though, it, it's still, there's, it's, whereas Hollingsworth, did beautiful work with um with Opeña and and Heron here it's it's Acuna just has a and I, I get it it's in space there's a lot of purples and grays and it's drab colors but just because we're in space doesn't mean it constantly has to seem so so great and murky and right, and right, right. muted but um I mean, even the explosions or, or there's just things that are, and he does these effects with, with, with motion lines and, and, um, some of the choreography with the fights or, or, or the panel layouts might, they're not confusing, but they may not flow as, as, as well as some others, but it still gets the point across. It, it moves things along. Um, yeah, I, I really don't have a problem with this. I, I, I want to see where Coates is going with it and uh, how this leads into um, if it even does, if, if, I mean, it, this, this could, I mean, I, part of me wonders if maybe this is like an age of apocalypse kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And for six months, you know, it's back to, you know, Legion wakes up and everything's fine again. I just, I, it's like right. when Remender, it's just, when Remender had cap in um, dimension Z or dimension you know, something Z. like that. Yeah. Just here it is. This is what it is. I'm telling this story. I'm still telling my black Panther story. This is, this is part of it. It's it's like you know Jason Aaron doing whatever he wants to do with Thor. So if 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 Marvel's letting Coates have his way with, with Black Panther, this is part mm-hmm. of. I mean, and, and who's to say that this this T'Challa won't show up in in the present day and and uh, join the Avengers or something because our the main present day T'Challa has to do something. You know, so I'm there's almost endless possibilities as far as I'm concerned with this idea. And, you know, we don't, we, we've had, I now I know that that way to sending Dr. Strange into space and we have cosmic ghost rider. I know that Marvel is, is back to messing around with outer space again, but you know, to have a character like T'Challa and, and Wakanda is so technologically advanced. It it's uh, so somewhat surprising that no one's really thought of this before. And, and uh, the fact that it, is so far in the future i think kind of kind of makes more sense because there's no if it was present day you know why would he obviously he wouldn't be able to hang out with the avengers at the same time and it's just so i i i think this is pretty nifty i'm i'm uh i'm down for it i'm I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes yeah i'm looking at it now Mm -hmm. 
you can always count me as an Acuna Mark. Yes, yes. I, of course. I, I think he's phenomenal. Um, yeah. I, I think he's too good for comics, but that's just, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, visually, I think this issue is a home run. That's what I'm saying. But I mean, he's always, I, I don't, of recent, recent vintage Acuna has looked this good. He's looked this good for a while. Mm -hmm. And he, he started taking this approach when he was at DC. And that's going back what? Like uh, a long while. Yeah. Eight to maybe eight to eight years, right? Eight to 10 years. Um, I follow him wherever he goes. I, I won't buy the books, but this one I will. Longer than yeah. Because it was Freedom Fighters? It was um, pre-New 52. Uncle Sam, yeah, right? Uncle Sam. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. You're... I will buy this. When this comes out, nice. hopefully in a hardcover, because nice. the art is just, its a, he's astounding. I just, he makes my eyes happy. I, I think he has, <laughs> he, he has the nice narrative all encompassing i mean he gets i'm i'm not trying to be dap's counterpoint but everything dap That's... found unappealing is what i find appealing about this i didn't say unappealing no 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 you know what i mean like the murkiness of the space i i find right, that and that's and, and attractive that's and yeah no that's right right but that's that's what and and that's fine if if that's what um not not I don't want to say claim to fame, but if that's if if that's what you can expect from a certain artist, if if that's what they bring to the table, then you know, if, and, and you like that, then that's that's great. That that's what I always see with him, and and there are times where it, it's not always necessary, but it it's it's what, like you said, it's appealing. So I mean, I I, I get it. It's it's a. Um, I would have loved to see the colors a little bit brighter, and mm -hmm. especially for like probably an audience who's going to check out the book when it goes to a Barnes and Noble or be, and new people who may have watched the Black Panther movie and seen these bright colors in this very colorful world, and then pick up this book. And it's I, I fall on the dab side of it where it's just a lot of these like muted purples and. Mm -hmm. I would have, I would have loved to have seen a lot more color. Uh, I guess I I know Dap's read a few issues of Bitch Planet. Um, I don't know if you have Jonathan. I I really do think this looked a lot like Valent like Valentine Delandro's work on Bitch Planet, uh, including the color palette. And and I guess because it seemed like a prison escape drama to me, I didn't mind the muted palette. Um, but sure. I, I mean, I I hear what you guys are saying. I mean, if this is a gateway for the movie, uh, different story. But I guess I'm jaded on that in the sense that. Um, yeah. Are, are these movies ever gateways for comics, right? And if they are, Marvel and DC often drop the ball, right? I mean, like Thor Ragnarok. Imagine loving Thor Ragnarok, and then like as a, as a twelve-year-old kid, and you say, "Hey, uh, mom, can I go pick some Thor?" And you you pick up, and it's a not only it's a woman, but it's a woman dying of cancer, right? It's like I mean, it's a very different narrative, right? So, um, but yeah, no, I hear you though. I hear you. And yeah, I will I'd... say, I mean, and and in every in that sense, then. Hey, because of the setting, because it is prison, because it is, you know, it's it's not a happy story at, at the onset. Uh, it, it, I'm not saying that Acuna has, has made a misstep with with his color choices. I, for me, to to just visually more enticing, and that's, but that's absolutely a personal preference. I, 
I can understand why he may want to keep it low-key. I, I don't think... How do I say? I don't... There, there are a lot of low-chroma colors in here, but I don't think it's a colorless book. Mm-hmm. I, 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 no, think, I think he, he highlights the, the lower-chroma colors he, with, with some hot color in almost every panel. There's a hot color. But it's it's right. used very sparingly, like the purples and the the oranges are, are used sparingly. So I I think there's more subtlety going on here than than maybe the average um, colorless colorist employs. I just think it's he's and he uses white like other artists spot blacks, like he uses white right. as an exc- right. exclamation point. And yeah. I, I I I don't know. I just love his work. Well, it's it's like we've said. You, if you have to know the rules in order to break them, and and I'm yeah. not saying he's breaking rules, but he knows he he knows what he's he, he's he understands his palette. I'm I don't I don't I don't want to. He colors his own work, so obviously it, his, his color theory isn't lacking. But mm-hmm. it's it's just between between his line work and um his. Maybe the action part of his sequentials, but they're, they're just it, when it's all combined, it's one of those things that I don't shrug when I see his name attached to something. But it doesn't. It I don't. I my heart doesn't grow as large as Vince's does when he sees his name on it. No. Well, that's all I'm saying. Different mm-hmm. strokes, right? Different right. strokes. Speaking He's, of different strokes, Vince. Yes, my son. The world don't move. I think you have something that's. Far afield from the norm that you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I do. And I think I'm going to love it. Um, this, <laughs> Jason, if there's if there's any of us that would love this book, it's it would be you. Um, with one, I guess you didn't want us to tag team. You didn't feel like preempting it. I I only have the hardcover. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. See, as a listener, this is my favorite part of the episode. It was- every episode, every episode, <laughs> when when Vince starts talking about a book that I know there's probably no chance I would have ever even known where to find it. <laughs> uh, I would say the chances of you have not having read this are very good. I don't know. You know about the uh, Jelly Bean Thompson, whatever his name is. Jelly Rock, <laughs> Rock and Jelly Bean. <laughs> Jelly Bean Thompson. Thompson sounds like he played Jelly in Bean the seventies. <laughs> All right, th- this book was published by Fantagraphics. But but not originally. It was self-published, self-financed, and I remember back in the day when when picture picture box no when picture box was my daily stop on the information superhighway. I would check. Yeah, and you you were a picture box. Athlete. I was I was yes. Um, they were my mud king, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> They offered the individual issues of this book for sale, and frankly, the book what I what I saw of the book scared me because it is completely out of my wheelhouse. Um, it was uh, written by let me see I want to get his um, R. D. Bone wrote most of the stories, but he ha- passed away. Uh, with issue six, before issue six, he passed away. And on the illustration side, it was illustrated by Raw Dog, who is the surname for Lawrence Hubbard. And um, 
the thing is that uh, these these men lived um, on the they weren't homeless, but they grew up on the streets, and a lot of the things that are chronicled in this uh, series they saw firsthand. The um, a lot of the struggles that um, African Americans go through. Uh, and have been going through in this country. But this is the seedier side of it. Like Lawrence's uh, father, he was he was fatherless for um, the majority of his life, and therefore he had to provide for mom and the family. And they he took a lot of that anger in being thrust into a position that that no youngster should be thrust into and they channeled it into the the art um and and uh, it's wow it's a very hard sell if 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 you <laughs> thought that um shintaro kago was extreme this is oh boy. this is just as extreme it's 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 profane it's racist it's um misogynistic it's uh brutal violent and that's how i want to say the word it's brutal and violent and dirty and um foul it's called real deal and it it's it's uh, an anthology of sorts because it um the main character is a a pimp named gc and he's got the jerry curls and the you know the fly clothes and the, it seems that the 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 one thing in life that GC and his boys want to do is get fucked up, get with the hoes, and get some money. Like, they seem to live in squalor. The hood is a terrifying place in this book. Um, because it seems like people get killed every two, two seconds. You know, there's there's death and... And hookers and just debauchery everywhere. There's there's no light in this book at all. And and oh, can you cover the the uh, shut up, you the um, can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah, because you described it as racist. It is racist. Okay, so from the perspective of a black man seeing other races, like. Thank, um, okay, so that's what I'm looking for. It, yeah. In other words, Lawrence Hubbard, I know, is black. I don't. I assume H.P. McElwee is black. Yes. Okay, yes. so you're saying it's it's a story told by two black men that you perceive as racist in the way they view other races. The characters in the book are racist, like like GC GC right, and his in his his posse. Um, if, this isn't if, a case of two white creators making no 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 no. Okay, no. I got you. I got you. Um, and because this is these are how people on the streets in this time period it looks like it's it's 70s 80s around there this is how a lot of of people talked how they spoke i mean if if an asian enters the picture the words Mm -hmm. the derogatory terms applied to people of that race are used Mm -hmm. and it's it's the, the it's all in the title it's the real deal. Like, like it or not, this is how some people act 
in the real world. It's 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 very racist, and the uh, women are treated horribly in this book, like terribly. They're 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 either used for pleasure or they're beat up and killed. Like it's it's mean. It's a mean spirited book. But like I said, it, it seems that and there's interviews with um uh the 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 creators in here um he seems like a a a good dude but if you had only read the comics you maybe wouldn't think that like Lawrence Hubbard he seems like a, a guy who just wants to draw draw comics and and his style is very very raw unvarnished uh primitive primal visceral like there's a I get a strong uh, Pettibon vibe from his work. Um, it's it's not pretty, but it, it looks like an and I'm sure it is an untrained artist who just is translating the world how he he sees it. But his his visual language is is very brutal it's it's raw like and and you could even say ben mara where yeah maybe anatomy mm-hmm. doesn't look like that but he doesn't care it doesn't matter you you get the picture you, when when somebody pulls out a shotgun and blows someone away and and you know it's there's there's scratchiness going on everywhere in this book you 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 get the picture it's but it's done it's brutal like the the one uh, I I could there's a very short story in here called uh, um, they go to a slop burger which is it seems like it's an all night burger hovel like there's they show the hood and there's burned out cars in the background the windows to the the houses are all broken in like this is not an environment in which you want to live um, and they they get into they go to the slop burger and there's somebody in the way of the parking spot. So they just run him over. Callous disregard for human life. They run him over and smash him against the wall. And um, the character says, fool, get the fuck out of the way. And that, that motherfucker can't hear you. He's dead. Ha ha. And his buddy comes and he's like, what did you do? Back up. And he's like, I got me a parking space. Your partner should have moved. And he said, you killed Doki. And GC goes, fuck Doki. And they start fighting. And CG pulls out, or GC pulls out a gun and just kills him. And goes into the restaurant and sits down. Well, he just, he, wave a little heat and they scream like bitches. So they go into the, the restaurant and they, they bully themselves to the front of the counter. And it says, a young tough pulls a gat on Chino. Chino spins around and hits him with a vicious overhand right, and he smashes the dude's head against the top of the counter. Like if you curb stomp somebody, it could kill you. He keeps smashing the guy's head on the counter, and GC picks up a napkin holder and beats the fuck out of the other guy. The waitress gets in his face. So he takes the waitress and shoots her in the legs. He blows uh, he blows her legs away, and the cook comes out and says, "You know, you want to go for bad, huh, motherfucker? I got something to calm you down." He's got a pot of boiling oil, and he throws it. GC ducks, so he takes the cook 
and dunks him in the fryer. He dunks him in the french fry grease. Now, as a dude who has worked for fast food in my past, 12 years of my life spent working for fast food, my very first day, I dropped the tongs in the fryer. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. when, when you're not accustomed to hot grease, it's like yeah. I, I drop something in there, I'm going to pick it up. I dip my hand into the fryer on my very first day. It's not a pleasant experience. I can only imagine oh, having having your head dumped in there. But and it escalates. One guy comes up to him, he's a um an ex-con steps up and says, "I wasn't going to do shit, but since you called my ass out, he charges towards the counter." And this is what I'm saying. The the entire book is like this. After I fuck you buddy up, I'm gonna fuck you in the ass and stomp you to death. And the 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 he just jumps gc jumps on this guy's head and his eyeball pops out if you guys are googling this i'm sure you're googling this while i'm talking about it do you see the artwork how rough and raw it is yeah it's on comiXology actually oh is it really yep that's definitely seeing the benjamin mara comparisons Right, where Benjamin Mars is intentional, yeah, uh, Hubbard is not. This is the way he draws, and I love it because there's an honesty to this that you don't get with someone who has gone through X amount of years of art school and has told has been taught perspective and proportion and color theory, and oh, you can't do that because that's not part of the elements of design that is wrong there's no wrong in art this this man has a desire a need to translate the life he has seen or who or the tall tales he has heard on the streets translate them into a graphic narrative and it's it's all truth there's there's no polish on this thing this thing is a beat up cadillac that's seen many 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 uh roads and has existed to it has the wear is visible is what i'm trying to say this is brutal shit and i love every damn page of this um now the um so hp mckelvey died in 1998 yes how how much how much of this book that you're reviewing is both of them and then how much is just hubbard okay it's it, it contains seven issues of real deal um rd bone worked on everything but six and seven okay five was produced in 1995 1996 and okay. real, real deal six was 2001 real deal seven yeah. was 2015 so there okay. was more than a decade oh, so between on that, issues six yeah, and seven. On that United uh, solicitations. Yeah, that's fine. It looks fantastic. But you see, yeah, you see what I, I'm getting I, at? I, how I heroes. it's brutal. Dude, I'm seeing a splash where they're hanging out by a car and dudes in the pimp suit. And it's like living extra large. Yeah. Oh, this I'd is they, have that. they speak your language in this. But <laughs> I, I will say, very, very liberal use of the N word. It's, yeah, they speak my language sans the 
or with the right <laughs> right i mean it, not, it's it's everywhere but you can't i don't know how seriously you can take it because if this were the real world these people would have been locked up first issue i mean that there's a callous disregard for for human life in this book and and i don't know if that's a product of the environment in which these mm. these people live or or what they've seen uh yeah. but it's just well listen i mean we're not uh i was about to say we're three white guys we're four white guys uh on a uh, on a podcast so we're not the the ones to weigh in here uh regardless of our viewpoints but i, I mean I, right. I will say that uh that um I mean, the, 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 the word you're referring to has, you know, is, is an, is an, it's acceptably used by, or viewed to be acceptable by many fellow, you know, by many black people. Right. Like for, like, like, listen, I mean, you know, we're all, we're good friends and we've had them all on the show, our, our, our buddies at No Apologies, uh, the, you know, many of the hosts, which are, are black, you know, Daryl and Raph and, uh, and, uh, Gil, and, um, they, they don't hesitate they use the n-word on their podcast non-stop when talking to each other you know it's just very colloquially and uh so you know it's it's it would seem not it would seem perfectly realistic for two african-american comic book creators that are telling a story about life in them screets uh to to use the word i don't think there's anything wrong with that yeah right there's there's um a manifesto in the first issue of real deal it's not long. It says, what is urban terror? Urban terror is a humorous essay of the violence that occurs every day in the urban centers of America. Each story depicts the everyday struggles of the urban dwellers who strike out at each other out of the futility, poverty, and illiteracy brings them. Each and every one of their disputes ends with acts of mayhem. These people live on the edge of a precipice with a kill or be killed foundation. So, that's the impetus for all these stories. Um, if you are uh, sus- extremely susceptible to violence, bloodshed, uh, profanity, don't don't check this stuff out because <laughs> it's not going to go down well. But mm-hmm. if, if maybe you got a little bit of a, um, I look at look at this stuff as. It it terrifies me, but it also excites me because it's a an existence um, of which I have no, I don't, I have no grounds for any of this. For comparison, I mean, this is just this seems just like uh, Thunderdome. You know, it's it, it's 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 crazy violent, but it, it's also fascinating to me. That I mean, yeah, it's black exploitation done by blacks black men the the movies of the 70 you know cotton comes to harlem and all this stuff that that's what this reminds me of mm-hmm. Tr- truck turner and all that stuff um so yeah i'm down with it uh, i find it funny that these comics were created by uh two men on the on the cheap self-funded published um you know runoff very cheaply and the book has Gold foil, uh, the the Fantagraphics book has gold mm-hmm. foil debossed lettering. There's there's gold foil on the spine, debossed spine. It's like a hardcover 
glossy. So, I mean, no expense was spared in the production of the collection, but it's, it's the antithesis of the way these books were originally produced. So, um, there's a pimp in here called the Hooded Mac. <laughs> he, like, um, one of the Cosby kids who had the, who had the hood on in the Cosby kids, the, the kid with the, the hat that went down over his, it, it looks like, was it dumb? Yeah, was it Dumb Donald? The Fat Albert King? Weird Harold. Weird Harold. It looks like Weird Harold all grown's up becoming a mm-hmm. pimp. So, and his hoes have hoods on too. But this is great. It was twenty nine ninety nine for the the hardcover. It's about you can get it on Amazon for sixteen seventy five. Yeah, it's like one hundred and sixty some odd pages. It it's amazing. Um, it's it's a singular experience. Uh, wow! Just if you're adventuresome, try it out. Real deal. I love that as you're describing this, and I'm looking at the art that you prefaced it by saying it was more disturbing than what you fucking talked about last week. Because <laughs> last week was straight like, like body torture and like that's all like, fantasy though. <laughs> there, there, there's a, there's a. You're a beautiful man. I love how you look at the world. Sorry, but I mean, there's this could happen. Things like this could have, could have, and have had have gone down you know right uh i get you i get you where you know people scratching each other's pustulant sores that's that's right it just just shows you where vince's heart is where where he he feels more of a connection to one and he's not Mm. so much of an outsider (laughs) it's true whereas it it could be it could be a bit uncomfortable talking about you know what what happens in the hood i've had i've had ongoing conversations all long holiday weekend with my oldest boy about empathy and his his insistence that he doesn't see the point of it and he thinks it's a fake construct so wow so I, I hear you oh white, well, white yeah. privilege yeah mm. that's a tough one <laughs> yes it is yeah you gotta learn that you gotta learn it gotta learn yeah. yep yes learn today all right, take us up, elevate us. Pick us up. This was good. You like sounded good. Oh, I'm just saying. Let's like let's do we do we have anything that's that's semi feel good? <laughs> uh, semi feel good. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I will. I'm guessing you guys didn't read it yet. Maestro's number six. I did not. Oh my god, dude! Talk about a beautiful book. Yeah, I mean, you turned us on to this, dude. This issue is so freaking good. It's so good, and it's so naughty. Yes, it's so naughty. I would pony up for Scrosi artwork at one point, and I won't, I won't, I won't tell you what happens in the issue because now you're both reading it. Um, but there is a moment where um, the maestro is saved from uh, potential death by the. Uh, the, the demonic daughter, I forget yes, her name, right. you know, and she is trying to make a deal with him. And she and I'm just going to read you this passage because it just shows you how how great this book is. She says, one day you'll be the queen's guest of honor at the Bacchanals of Juventade. The orgy's gone for days, sweet maestro. And then he says, Pete, well, he goes on to say, I'm, I got other things on my mind. And then she says, very well, but I'm reserving you a spot in the royal bukkake. 
my man. I mean, I mean, talk about dirty, dirty. Yeah, she's hot but, too. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. She's yeah. she's mounting him, uh, cowgirl style as she's telling him all this. Um, no, the issue was great. I'll I'll leave it at that because I want you guys to read it. But uh, but man, this this book, Sprochi's a beast. He is. He it really is a special book, is. and the colors are the colors are a huge part of this book. It just talk about vibrant, vibrant, vibrant colors. Do you have a rep? Scrosi? So, I, I have no idea. I've never seen his art anywhere. I don't know if he's digital. I don't. I don't know. Mm. I'm looking at this now, and I've got to get on this, dude. You definitely do. This book is this. This is the hottest, and I'm pretty sure the sixth issue is the wrap up of the first arc. So the trade yeah. should be looming. Yep. Nice. I'm mostly reading trades, so that'll be perfect. And I'll, I'll shout out another book that I knew, neither of you Mark asses are going to read, even though you should. Um, Ether Copper Golems, number one, which is the second. I have it. I'm, well, I'm waiting for it to come in. Uh, I ordered oh, okay. it. Okay. All right, then. All right. You redeemed. Um, all right. Respect. Respect. Okay. Jesus. Uh, okay. Relax. Relax, my dude. Jesus. Relax. Is that all I got to say is... Just like Vince has certain artists or Dap has certain artists that when they do something, they really can't do anything wrong. Yep. That's how I feel about David Rubin. I open up the first right, page and Vince of the will book. tell you how silly that is. No, I know. He's a dick. Um, and I'll see, uh, I'll see David Rubin and I'll just smile. I'll just smile for 32 pages. And uh, this, is, this is Kent Rubin. Uh, it's called Ether, Cop- Cop- Ether the Copper Golems number one. But it's, in essence, the second arc of the ongoing Ether story. Um, where we learn uh, quite a bit more about Boone Dias, who is the protagonist in his history, uh, back on Earth. And uh, this is uh, setting up a um, a battle for to protect the barrier between the Ether and the Earth uh, that's being penetrated by the aforementioned Copper Golem. So, um, Rip Roaring, first issue, uh, answered a lot of the questions that we were left with from the first uh, series uh, six issues and um, it just looked looked perfect. Perfect art. Nice. Who else wants that? Yeah. Throw some love somewhere. Jonathan, Jonathan. what else you been reading? Yeah, man. I've I've t- I've taken uh, Jason's advice uh, on a recent pod on a recent episode of the podcast where he talked about uh, Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. And I've ponied up for it the last couple months, and I've been enjoying going back and just reading everything from my childhood. Because I parted ways with my comics a while ago, and so now to be able to go through and just read through New Warriors and Quasar and just... They they have a very incomplete uh, Generation X on there. But I was—I I tried to go through and read it, but like it's really spotty. I'm—I'm uh, I'm assuming they cut out a lot of the fat in the middle because that—that that series ran about seventy something issues, and there were about fifty of me didn't need to read. Um, but yeah, I've been going through New Mutants and all the X Men, and just still every single night when I like kind of take a break from drawing and I go on there and I take a peek at a few issues and just read through. I still can't believe that there's a 
app that just allows me to read all of these comics. Basically, not for free, but the Netflix way of for free, where it just comes out of your, $9.99 and comes out of your account every month, and you just kind of don't think about it. So this, and that's all I've been reading lately is just, I, I got to peek through what led me to Seven to Eternity was reading through Infinity and reading through and seeing the Apeña art, the Jim Chung art. But that's me. I've been pretty boring because I'm, I'm a dad right now. So I <laughs> just read whenever I can and kind of lose track of I'm still like, it's only been a month. So I'm still at the period of time where you're, kind of losing track of what day it is still. <laughs> yep. So it's no doubt. Yeah. Be, we'll wake you... up and, and Nia will be like, it's Saturday, right? And I'm like, no, I think it's Monday and then it'll be Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those. That's days. so good to be lost in time like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. That literally happened yesterday. I thought it was Monday. She thought it was Saturday. And it was Sunday. Mm. Yeah, yeah, man. That Marvel Limited is, is a great value. I have to say, um, I'm sure I'm not alone in eagerly awaiting this. Uh, I'm waiting for the DC one. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a different type of thing. I mean, it's it's going to be focused on all of their media, so I'm concerned it's going to be expensive if you're mainly in it for the comics. But still, keeping hope up. When that DC, the day that that DC one drops. If it works half as good as the Marvel one, I'm just going to go back and read Legion. Just yes, everything they have. There you go. Mm-hmm. It's it's so hard to find Legion trades on the shelves. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of them. I mean, if you want the Great Darkness Saga, it's there. Yeah, but but the uh, the other well, the good thing about it is DC seems to be kicking out new Legion trades, like the the two Abnett and Lannings. Yeah. Yep. That, that just came out in Legion Lost, which is a no-brainer. But I would like to see the whole Levitz, mm-hmm. Giffen, Shooter, like that giant chunk of Legion. Do it in, in like Marvel does with the Epic Collections. Right, right, right in order. That'd be great. Reading back this Christmas, I tried to get the Wade Kitson run and could not find it traded anywhere. Mm. Even going on Amazon, they got like one copy available and you're buying it from somebody. You're not... They, it, it's really hard to find the Wade Kitson run, even. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a good run. A very good run. I mean, speaking of, of Legion, that that Black Hammer, the Quantum Age, looks fantastic. I mean, to we know from having Jeff on the show, he, he loves and worships the Legion, and this is very much his playing with the Legion within his, his Black Hammer universe. So I think that's going to be a tremendous amount of fun. Yep. Depp, you got anything? Um, only because it's been on the the list for a while, and it, it kind of uh, ties into something you said earlier about IDW and ending the uh, Transformer series. I did not know going in that um, the story in Star Trek Boldly Go that ended with 18 was also the end of this particular series. So I finished the um, IDW Star Trek Boldly Go, um, which ended with a bit of um, the whole uh, IDIC philosophy that, uh, that the Vulcans have, the um, uh, infinite 
there's just the whole story was about um, different versions, an infinite number of uh, of enterprise crews and and whether you there there was a gender bending uh crew there was a plant-based crew there's just anything that they could think of is is other the 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 kirk and company from the the kelvin verse met other versions of uh kirk and company there was one story where um spock basically denounced being a Vulcan and and lived his life as a human and and even uh, um, basically cropped his ears so he didn't have the tips. Uh, uh, whereas Kirk was actually raised as a Klingon and uh, was out to murder uh, Federation officers. But the whole thing came about because they they kind of tied it into the original. Star Trek series by introducing in this version uh, Gary Mitchell, who ended up being close to omnipotent from the the original series, and, and he was a friend of Kirk's who um, didn't make it out of that episode really. But this was the, the Gary Mitchell here was basically screwing around with Kirk and and letting him know that um, there are some no one scenarios that uh bad things can happen and it was it was a it, the arc may have gone on a little too long but overall it was it was pretty entertaining and and definitely not anything that they could have done in the movies um but i was just more surprised to know that the series had ended with this issue and i am st- i i I don't know because I still don't know what's going to happen with the next movie. If, if, um, if they're going to actually, um, just write off Chekhov or, or actually say he was, uh, he's killed in action or anything like that. But, uh, they didn't really, unlike the DC volumes, they, they didn't really move, the story or the characters forward because they were still um, the enterprise was destroyed in um, into darkness. And we, as that movie ended, we saw um, 107 01 a being created, uh, being built. So whatever the next movie is that, that that's where they'll reveal that ship, but they, they didn't, they didn't want to, I guess, take uh, too many liberties with this series. So it was, I think the first Star Trek series after the, the initial, um, after the first movie, I think the first IDW Star Trek series may have, um, felt more Star Trek than, uh, than this series, but it was still, it was still pretty interesting. I just, I thought of it since you mentioned the whole, um, Transformers thing at the, uh, the DCBS spot. So now I can finally, take uh take that off my list it's been on there for for a while now all right you are the torchbearer for star trek comics on the show he is which is a good thing not wrong with that they seem to be higher quality than they get like we don't give them the love they probably deserve and it's, you know what we don't talk about the star wars comics at all 
And people yeah, say that they've since, been really uh, good since, uh, since yeah. Paul took them back. Well, we read the first arc, and I think we read up to, uh, was it Vader Down? I think. Yeah, was, yeah, I we read a lot of Vader. That was the last. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and that was, that was pretty. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Absolutely right. And in, in the past 12, 18 months or so, I don't think we've said much about them. Yeah, we ain't saying, but we ain't said boo. Boo. All right. All right, bring it on home. As bring it on home, Vince. Th- that's true. As usual, this episode has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your home for a pittance, a mere fraction of what everybody else is paying. Uh, remember these specials because it's the last time you're going to hear them. IDW, Transformers Unicron, number one, $2.49. Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, two. $12.49. And from Marvel, Cosmic Ghost Rider number one, $1.99. All right. I'm going to make this brief, but it's three books. Three books. Two. <laughs> <laughs> make it make it Make it really, really brief. I have been keeping an eye on the Alterna Comics Company. Initially, the things they produced, I, I'm not going to say they weren't worth talking about. Everything's worth talking about. But they didn't really click with me. But uh, if you're going to get me a 32-page comic for a buck fifty, printed on good old newsprint with a uh, not a self-cover, but an actual different paper stock cover, color, then then I'm I'm down. I'll give it a shot. A buck and a half after discount comic book service comes like what? A dollar in small a dollar in small change. So yeah, I'm gonna try them out. And and that's exactly what I've been doing. And lately they have published three uh first issues that I believe are worth talking about. The uh the first one is called Tinseltown by David Lucarelli and Henry Ponciano. It's about a female cop. Um, it's, it takes place in the early 1900s, maybe like 1918 to 20, around there. Uh, her daddy was a cop, worked in Hollywood. Unfortunately, he was killed in the line of duty. And... Um, she always had an, a desire to, to be a police officer, and, and she does. But back in the day, Universal Studios was so large that they had their own mayor and they had their own police force. And uh, the mayor was a woman, and uh, there were many uh, female police officers. So this, that, that's, that's a, a, a truth. And this... Uh, catapults from that the uh, the author's mother was a female police officer so he uses a fictitious movie studio called utopia and this woman abigail goes to become a police officer they're just starting up building this thing they need a a a security force and abigail shows up and the uh the woman uh one miss redwood thinks she's there to be an actress because abigail is quite fetching not in the Adam Hughes department. She's she's just a beautiful girl. 
and and she wants a job and and this miss redwood thinks that oh okay so you just want this job and then with eventual uh designs to be an actress and she's like no i just want to be a police officer that's it and she's like okay all right if you're an actress you sold the part really well you're you got what it takes and she's like no really i just want to be a police officer that's it and uh so but it it shows the reaction um back in that time period that a woman in uniform received the men were like oh she can lock me up anytime you know what i mean like look at the gams on those on that police officer and even the 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 people in charge of the studio um are just like yeah okay this is this is uh funny and it's 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 cute but no one's ever going to believe a female police officer and the the wardrobe she gets a uh, a real baton but she gets a plastic gun it's like this is this is hollywood baby nothing's real here and it's just this the struggles that this abigail goes through being a woman in the job traditionally reserved for men and it was the first issue in the five issue limited series i thought it was it was interesting it was fun it was it was something different you know um it's it's very uh well, it's mundane, but it's all the better for it. There's nobody flying through the air in this book. It's it's street level human interaction, and I enjoyed it. All right. Second one is called Zero Jumper. It's by Patrick Mulholland. This is pure science fiction. The person in in the title role of this this is the Zero Jumper. She's a, a woman named Juno. I think she's a woman. She's quite androgynous. She doesn't have any other than being semi-pretty she doesn't have any female qualities like there's no overt breasts she she wears a a suit i'm saying she and i'm i'm not 100 percent certain that it is it's let's just picture david bowie a pretty man in the role of this juno and juno can control time but only for very short durations so um the the gist of this thing is earth has been destroyed and she he she is is trying to to right this very uh horrible wrong and she encounters aliens and the, it's kind of like a booster gold and skeets type deal where she has a a robot flying sphere robot accompaniment with her that and they interact like booster and skeets um, and there's giant mechanical aliens. It was fun. And I'm intrigued. Like, well, how did the earth get destroyed? How is this person who can only control an eensy teensy bit of time going to fix it? It's cool. Zero jumper. And the art is quite good. But the thing is, it's printed on newsprint. So these aren't super saturated colors. The newsprint's thirsty. And, um, it's very thin newsprint. So sometimes you can see the ghost image of the things that were printed on previous pages as you're looking at a, at a, a page on the other side of the paper. And it feels like old home week, right? I mean, if you grew up reading comics in the, in the 80s, that's what you had to deal with. Cheap newsprint. Sure. And that's, that's what these are. They're fun. Um, the last one is Go West, which is by Garrett Gunn. Saint Yak, okay. Uh, Sean, Great name. Sean Forney, 
Um, there's nothing out of the ordinary in this book. It's a traditional revenge story. A man's family was killed. His his arms were were chopped off. Um, he's called. He's known as the Blade. Slade the Blade. He has two two blades that he straps onto his uh, stumps, and he is going to revenge the death of his or avenge the death of his family. It's a western. Um, it's brutal. It's a mature reader's title. Um, I just I'm just digging the art. That's that's as simply as I can put it. There's there's things done with light and shadow in this book that that I I like very much, and again a buck and a half. So I mean if you're looking for a little bit of spice in your weekly um, trip to the comic shop, check out the Alterna comics. They're not going to break the bank. You may like what you see, and um, from what I've seen so far, they're taking the Hellboy approach. Most of their books have been you know four or five issue limited series. So check them out. Alterna Comics. I like I'm, it. I'm done. Sure. Positive. And now I get to do an Alterna Orama. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your travels. Um, you know, I think I will just... I'll make it short um, only because I'm really it, it took two issues, but it looks like we're finally um, getting to where we need to be. Uh, but RoboCop Citizens Arrest number two, still written by Brian Wood, still illustrated by Jorge Macalzillo. Um It is. Uh, the app has been in effect. People have been using it uh, so they can. uh report unlawful people uh, a, the Alex Murphy's neighbor is trying to remove the retirement uh, programming that Murphy has uh, Murphy would take his own life if he could um, but obviously he can't turn his gun on himself and um, so he asked his neighbor to toss it and um, this way he can kind of just go about and live out the rest of his days. Uh, but the neighbor's wife was able to re- reprogram uh, the code. So now Murphy uh, is no longer retired, but he's also um, he's, he's not exactly acting like uh, OCP property, but it's it was a lot more it felt a lot more robocop than this first issue did and now that um he now that it looks like robocop is finally going to show up in a robocop comic i'm looking forward to the third issue more than i was looking to the second issue based on how the first issue went off but um the art is there it is it's I, I don't want to just say serviceable. It, it it moves the story along. It's um, Murphy does look a little bit like Peter Weller, uh, which is fine. Um, but it's uh, there, there's a whole um, underlying political 
thing going on where some guys trying using Detroit to um, be the basically ground zero. That this is this is the the example where we're setting to uh, show other cities across the country how uh, we can get people to behave and um, while also trying to eliminate RoboCop. But the um, but yeah. That there are people in the community who don't want to um, see anything happen to RoboCop, and and uh, I thought the last last page in particular was uh, was a pretty cool setup. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm still going to stick with RoboCop Citizens Arrest, and that's it. Now I'm done. Respect. I have not one, not two, but three things to talk about. But it, it doesn't it doesn't violate our rules because it's three different mediums. So first, um, rules. It's cute. I know, right? I won't get into details other than to say it bummed me out to see that Solo, a Star Wars story, did um, or fell short of expectations in the box office this weekend. Um, I took the fam to see it on Saturday, which was a rainy day, and it was. I thought phenomenal. And when I say that, I mean, it is the, without question for me, the most enjoyable star Wars film that we've gotten in the modern era. Meaning, um, I liked it better than rogue one or the last Jedi, um, or the force awakens. So for me, Ron Howard, which, you know, notably there was a director switch. Um, he took over and this, was the first Star Wars film that I've seen as an adult that made me feel like I did when I watched the first three as a kid. Um, it was a love letter to those first three films. It was pure, unadulterated nostalgia, which for a lot of comic fans listening to this show, I know you're all big nostalgia fans. Um, I made a comment that it wouldn't surprise me if the people that disliked this the most are those that loved The Last Jedi which in my eyes was the polar opposite of this in that that film was basically lighting a match and creating a conflagration to all of the nostalgic components of star Wars with the idea that you all are too beholden to these things. Now it's time to start anew. And for many of you, including my co-host that worked really well for me, it made it uh, pretty much one of the worst things I've seen in years. Um, So your mileage may vary. If you're not into a nostalgic romp back to those early films, and you don't care about things like how Han and Lando became buddies and how Chewie and Han met and what the Kessel Run is, well, then this isn't your this isn't your speed. But if you do care about those things, and we've got thirty years of action figures and comic books and um, and and ex- and expanded universe novels to suggest you do, um, this was pretty much a perfect film. So go see it. Um, on the TV front. I introduced myself this morning, uh, this episode as Bob Budiansky, and that is because the second part of the season on Netflix of the first season of The Toys That Made Us, which we've discussed previously, uh, was released this past week. Uh, for those that don't remember our talking about it, it is a documentary series that looks at all of the great uh, toy lines of the 70s and 80s that uh, pretty much defined the toy market at its peak. Um, and, um, this release was four episodes, including, uh, a Transformers episode, which I found fascinating. I have to tell you that I didn't know in spite of being a lifelong Marvel zombie, 
how inextricably linked Jim Shooter and Bob Budiansky were with the Transformers mythos. Um, for for those that may not be aware, like I wasn't, um, when when Hasbro decided to create the toy line, they essentially went over to Japan and made a deal with Takara, who were producing two different lines of transforming robots. There was a life-sized line, which were things like handguns and tape recorders and VHS tapes and cameras. And then there was a line of, of miniatures, which were mini cars, mini planes, things like that, that transformed into robots. Um, Hasbro went over to Japan and licensed essentially anything that they could get their hands on, but they had no backstory because in Japan they were just toys. They had no backstory. So Jim Shooter was tasked with creating a comic book and a backstory for Hasbro. He gave the job to Denny O'Neill, and apparently by Shooter's own words, Denny O'Neill completely botched the job. He, whatever his pitch was, Shooter hated it. So he pretty much had like a day a day after Denny O'Neill pr- presented his pitch and Shooter hated it. Marvel had like a day to to get something to the toy company, and so Shooter just kind of came up with it overnight. And then he walked in with his backstory uh, to Budiansky, who was a middling writer at the time, uh, by his own admission, trying to kind of make his name, um, and said, "You've got you've got a weekend to come up with names and backstories for." 26 transforming robots and those hardcore transformers fans out there vince included know that those 26 robots would then become known as the gen one of the transformers that have you know been present in our lives for the last 30 years so i had no idea budiansky was literally the guy that came up with the names and the histories and everything so um really fascinating stuff uh there's also an episode this uh time about legos which uh, are the biggest toys today um, and uh, have the roots all the way back like pre-World War II, early like World War I times. Um, so, yeah, so the toys that made us. And then last but not least, a comic shout-out. It'll be a quick one. Um, I have talked a little bit about um, Terry Moore's Strangers in Paradise XXV25 um, in the first two issues, and I, it's great to have it back but I felt like it was a little bit of a sputtering start. Well, he has definitely knocked off the rust with issue three. Uh, Not only does it look fantastic, but this is what I remember of Strangers in Paradise. This is high adventure mixed with the love affair of, uh, of, of Francine and Kachu. And we get some amazing cartooning by Terry um, showing the two in the emotional state that they're in when they, have to be apart from each other for long periods of time so uh absolute home run third issue and now i feel like he's back in stride and i can't wait to see what comes next sweet nice el gesto ah so if you listened earlier and you liked uh seven to eternity you read through it and that's your jam but you want more my go home and listen to er, the podcast and just read would be Tokyo Ghost by Remender and nice. Murphy. Also has Hollingsworth on colors on the, the colors and it's a beautiful book. Uh, similarly, when I, when I read it, and I only read this probably about two, three months ago, and I read through the first two trades, 
got a lot of um, the feeling of someone who is trying to talk about modern day media, modern day technology. It was hard to remove from the election that we just had some of the vibes of people who plug into the internet, plug into cable television and don't necessarily go out and interact with people and make their decisions that way and make and live their life that way. So from the story standpoint, it felt similar to seven to eternity in that you could kind of read into it. Uh, some of the things that are going on in the real world right now, but the co- the colors were beautiful on it. The Murphy art is always beautiful. I can read anything that Murphy does, like any of the art that he's anything that he ever puts his art on. I'm a fan of that book. There's a beautiful page in here. I don't know how aware you are of the book, but there's a beautiful page where it's got like the sexy female cover uh, main character. And a gigantic whale. Oh yeah. So, Jonathan, I don't know if you. So, sorry about that. I um, I I, I saw that issue. I saw that art before the issue was released, uh, in Sean's portfolio, and he was asking a thousand dollars for the page, and so I thought, oh, that's just too much. But um, then like he moved reps and he created his own website and i was just looking on it randomly and it was on there for like i think six or 650 and i that probably remembers that i pinged him and i said oh that whale page is here maybe i should buy it and then i didn't pull the trigger and like a week later it was gone so i vividly am aware of that page it's a beautiful beautiful whale yes it is beautiful whale artwork i just thought of it but no i i read this and it's very similar to Seven to Eternity. It's Remender writing, which is always good. I love the colors. Hollingsworth does his thing with colors. It's same as on Seven to Eternity. And then I guess my only other uh, thing I'd want to talk about is just go to Heroes. Uh, anyone who's yes. listening to this, anyone who's listening to this, like I'm going to my first con probably since uh, Zach's cons, which he used to put on. When I lived oh, in you Midwest. went to those? Yes, I was uh, like that was one of the fun things of listening very early on to the podcast is when it was uh, uh, what was the name of the con? The very Apple first seed. name of it, Appleseed. Yeah, yeah Appleseed. When, when it was the Appleseed con, at the very the very early episodes, Vince would read almost every guest that was on there, and he would read my name. Oh, nice. Like so, my my name is in a bunch of the first episodes. So no, that was the last time that I went to, like, really went to a con and got to meet a bunch of the artists there. And I was a, that was where I got to meet Neesman, who's currently the only mem- the host of the show that I had ever met. We're gonna rectify that though. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna let me upgrade you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But. I would just say to anybody who's listening to this, anyone in our community, go and if you're on the East Coast, it's it's right smack dab in the middle. Just go and have fun with us. Because we're going to tear it up. Real oh my God, deal it's style. It's going to be so lit. Yep. 
I'm excited. I'm meeting a lot of my internet friends for the first time. We just haven't gone through having the baby. Uh, Flip, Flip a Dippa was so Dippo helpful, Dippo. and like he's so good friends with my with my wife now because like he the whole entire time he would be sending us like the, our bassinet that our baby has. We have because Flip's recommendation. That's so, awesome. like, That's just good people. It's, it's our community is an amazing community, and I'm excited to meet everybody in person. We're excited for you, and we're excited to meet you too. Indeed, we're gonna blow it up. It's gonna be so much fun. It is gonna be insane. I'm and, just uh, glad that I have Tuesday off. Oh, the following Tuesday? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do not. I do. I'm I'm coming back to the Sunday, and I don't really think with still newborn. Like I don't think I'm going to be able to pull off like sleeping through Monday and Tuesday and being like you're changing. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to work for me. So I'm going to. <laughs> well, one of the things that's interesting is it's always on Father's Day weekend, and for some people that's a problem, but for me it's perfect because, like, I just have turned it into my Father's Day gift. It's great. Yep. True that. Yeah. Very Heroes sick. Con and just sneak a look at the uh, U.S. Open golf scores. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on the sports, and then you lose me with the golf. Uh, I didn't get into golf until after the most recent divorce, and then just a lot of time hanging out with my dad, who's, re- who's semi-retired, uh-huh. and just golfing. Love the golf. It gets, it gets, it gets in you. Yeah. My short game sucks. That's what she said. Yeah, I can yeah, get it. Yeah, my dad gets my dad gets me on the short game. Like I'm at that point where, like, on on my very best day, I could beat him on his very worst day. Mm-hmm. And it's always the short game that gets me because yep. he he can just put the lights out. I can I can smack it almost to the green, but it's once I'm on the green, I'm like dit 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 dit. dit oh shit! Dit, 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 <laughs> too far, too hard. I'm like a bull in a china shop. But I Shocking. got. I know. I'm sorry. But now, do you get frustrated out there, or are you? Like, no, no. If you hit a bad shot, you're like, whatever. It's uh, yeah. Out on wouldn't the golf it, course. Wouldn't it be fascinating? I mean, I wouldn't want to spend a lot of time with you, but I really would like to go back in time before the the health stuff and uh, seeing you in as you contend you were before you were uh, visited by the ghosts of uh, Christmas. Yeah. Uh, past, present, and future. Hothead Paisan. Extremely. It's just so hard for me to fathom. Yep, yep, yep. I was. Nuts. You know what's funny? I was the exact same way. Like my early twenties, I was like super, super angry, super, super. Yep. Kind of just like I, I get, I could get angry over nothing in a short amount of time, and just like probably about five years ago when everything happened, like I just I'm now like I, I'm the calmest person. I'm like like completely zen. It feels good, right? It does, yeah. And I'm and I and I'm the same way when I golf. Like if I hit a bad shot, and that's okay. I don't know what I'm doing anyway. I'm just having fun. Yeah. Live and learn, and we hope you've learned something from this episode. And uh, live, live your uh, best life. That's right. Um, please, if you want. Oh, Jonathan, tell them where they can see all your stuff. Mostly on Instagram. Like, if you follow me on Instagram. If you follow me on Instagram, you're getting the best of what I got to do. Um, and what is up with the with the name? So, uh, it's pretty simple when I tell you. Like, 
so my email address still to this day is najfotra at aol.com. Right. And so, oh, art of John. Yes. Oh. So when in 1996, <laughs> okay. when I was like 16, I'm like, Got it. I want to have Art of John as my as my name, and someone already had it, so it just became Naj Fotra. Followed me around. Uh, Art of John altogether has been like the name of my company. Like for a while, I had a sports card company, and it was AOJ Listo Cards, and like it even got featured like in Beckett. Like, if you go back and get the very first LeBron James, like, tribute issue that they put out, even before he was in the pros, like, it lists, like, my cards as that I was just kind of, like, drawing, like, in my bedroom and putting up on eBay as, like, custom cards as, like, the cards to get. And so, like, Art of John has always been my thing. Nodge Fotra has always been, like, kind of what I use. So, Nodge Fotra underscore artist on Instagram and I post probably about two, three times a week, whatever I'm working on. Maybe there's some stuff on there that might be a little uh, not safe for work for the kids. Mm-hmm. But we are a decidedly non-safe work show as you know, so mm-hmm. it's okay. So there you go. And you can also find Jonathan on our Facebook group. Very active member. Very positive dude. Uh Facebook, uh, blah, 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 Facebook, 11 o'clock comics. Uh, we also do the Patreon thing. If you're interested in that, you can go to patreon.com forward slash 110COMICS. Twitter, I bet we've been, you know, a little more active on Twitter lately. Um, <laughs> we, uh, and we just love you so much. So we want to spend time online with you and maybe at Heroes too. But in the meantime, you know the drill. There's one uh, member in attendance that will get really, really mad if you're not here next week. I'm not naming names, but say goodnight. David. Good night. <laughs> Click. <laughs> David. <laughs> I tried to throw you off. You're pretty good on that one. You're all right. I have to Thanks, giggle man. every time I see that Don Martin, that monstrosity hardcover. I'm like, I cannot wait to get that in Dab's hands. <laughs> you break my fucking heart every time I say that. <laughs> I have to. I, I got to hit them. I, hey, you want to see the same them. cartoon 500 pages in a row? <laughs> there you go. You're an evil person. <laughs> Oh, he's that. He's the best. He's giving me his book. That's because I love you. I love Don Martin so much. So do oh, I. That's why I want the book. Oh, look, a bent shoe. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again. This time it's on his right foot. Man, you're close to getting to eat a dick up. <laughs> <laughs> you're real close. I love you. I'm just kidding. Don't for, don't forget, I got your I got your airport uh, reservation in hand. I can cancel it. Don't forget, I got your money. <laughs> Oh, true. <laughs> Trolls. Touche. Good. Touché. Much love. Much love. All right. Got me there. All right. Be here next week, Jonathan. Man, we got to thank you. You nailed it, brother. And the door, as we always say, is always open for you. Yeah. Big Thanks. hugs and ball tugs in two weeks. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> this right. ball tug shit. 
going on there? I know you're a Sicilian. You're against male male upon male touch. I know. Oh, <laughs> well, no, no. Ironic, since your people were all about the bathhouses a couple hundred years ago. But that's cool. Oof, you gotta disparage my people, <laughs> dude. You're disparaging my people and Don Martin. So how is that? How does that? So your people are big nosed, floppy legged, like, great great uncle. He's not. He might as well be. No, he's not. I do, li- spirits. I do like his stuff. I just don't love his stuff. Now, if there was a crack... Yeah, you pretty much just shat on it, though. You didn't just like... No, I was kidding. Like, oh, I, was, ben Shoe. I was totally kidding. Same, was, same cartoon 500 times. Now, if... if <laughs> that was a flawless impersonation. If there was a crack... Which, by the way, like, why don't you... Like, I love Spy vs. Spy, but if we're going to front on a repetitive comic idea, it's Spy vs. Spy. Sure. Sure. Right. But I don't see you making fun of Antonio Pro, yes? Or Peter Cooper. No, because I don't I don't care enough about it. Because mm. you know what I mean? Like uh, yeah, it's there, but your love for the Don Martin opens the door to ridicule from me. It's not that I believe what I'm saying because I don't. I like Don mm. Martin stuff. I don't love Don Martin stuff. I think he's good at what he does, but what he does is the same thing over and over and over and over again. That's all right. That's okay. But what I was going to say, if there was a cracked version of that mad thing that focused on John Severin, I would guard that Mm -hmm. book with my life. Yeah, you'd be buried with it. Yes. Cremated with it. We all have our, our loves and none of us is wrong. Damn Skippy. Yeah. Just come back next week. Maybe we'll continue this discussion. Big hugs to Jonathan. We love you too. And we'll be back. Bye. Bye. Take us us out, Jonathan. Bye.